we're going to start posting each podcast episode that you see on YouTube a week earlier on Patreon. So feel free to join for early access to all episodes. Plus, we're going to start doing bonus podcast episodes every week. So if you want to join Patreon, it's patreon.com slash concrete videos. Next week's episode is already posted there, so feel free to go check it out. What's up, world? We're back with everyone's favorite con man, Matthew Beacox. On this podcast, Matt reveals an unsolved murder, which was ordered by a member of the Sinaloa cartel. Matt uncovered this murderer while doing research on another true crime story while he was still in federal prison. Basically, the murderer confessed, and he actually disclosed evidence to a jailhouse lawyer who was helping him work his case. And this jailhouse lawyer disclosed all of this information to Matt that actually proves that this guy ordered this murder. The craziest thing is, is this murderer is probably not going to be prosecuted because the L.A. homicide detectives, witnesses are currently in federal prison and they're in fear for their own lives. In addition, the homicide detectives actually verified that the murderer has confessed to multiple inmates that he's committed the murders. I hope you guys love this one as much as I did. This is Peak Matt Cox. Are you 100% sure that we're not going to get whacked by anybody for telling the story in the podcast no but i mean i've done prison time I mean, i've had a good life i, I, mean, I, I was in prison time i've been married I, I i've got a kid i got a hot girlfriend i've gotten pretty much everything life's going to give out of me so if i get if as long as it's quick my fear is that they grab you and they put you in a vat of acid while you're alive or something right. it's how i go i don't mind going i just want to be shot in the back of the head and i don't even know what's happening yeah it's the idea that they kidnap you and torture you for a couple of days that sucks <sighs> that's that's that's, that's yeah. That's the cartel, bro. This Yeah, this is a cartel story and you're telling a story basically about a fucking assassin and, and you're basically snitching on this assassin. That hurts my feelings that you would say that. I didn't snitch. I'm just telling the story. You're just telling the story. Just but telling you're telling it on our platform and we don't want to get killed. We want to live. No, of course. But the nice thing is the bulk of the people that are involved in the story, the higher ups that would actually order some kind of a murder or something, mm. um, are are basically all incarcerated or they're already in or in dead. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Um, well, and the, the other thing is, um, you know, this happened a while ago, back in 2011. And as you know, the other thing, remember I told you, I talked to the homicide detective. Yes. He specifically told me, you understand is what putting the story out. That's dangerous. He was, you, he's, he's a, because it's a cartel related murder. He was, I have to tell you that you could be in danger. I was like, <laughs> Jesus, bro. <laughs> Way to get win me over on cooperating. Yeah. Am I in danger? Um I I I I don't think anybody's in danger. I'm sure we're fine. Fuck it. Fuck it, bro. You got me. Why would you even say all that? You get me. You say these things that I don't even. I'm not even thinking about it now. You got me fucking. That's the first thing I thought of when you told me the story, and you told me about the guy that you were talking to. How do you think I felt when so the who, homicide t- detective? Tell, tell me. It. Tell me about this homicide detective. Who is he? How did you meet him? Um. Well, I didn't meet him. I I called on the. You, you remember when I called? Yeah. Ooh, yeah. However, you got in t- touch with this guy. Well, that that was just I had gotten out and I was out of the halfway house and I was still researching the story so i contacted the homicide detective about the uh jose 
uh, Potter murder, which is the murder that happens in the story. And I contacted the detective. What happened was I called. This is funny because this was only about a month or two after your first podcast that I did with you. Like last November? Yeah. Was it November? Yeah. No, 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 no. I did the podcast. Or, was it? It was about November. It was either October or November. I think it was October. And it's like a month or so later, I called this guy. Mm. And I, um, a couple months later. Because when I called, I called up the, the and he was in California. What's wrong? No, I was just seeing what kind of shit he's drinking today. This is the. This is. Every, you wonder why we get the comments that say, "How could What's you? Wrong with how dare you interrupt Matthew? I didn't interrupt Cox. him. You didn't have to stop. Um, I, I'm distracted easily. Uh, so what? What happened was, I actually contacted the homicide unit. Okay. Well, the detective that answered the the phone call, he was like, uh, "Yeah, who's this? What's a okay? You know, he didn't even say who's it. He said, "Yeah, what, what are you calling about? I mean, real, just kind of rude, right? Mm. Yeah, I don't know if you speak with you know." cops and stuff but they're usually like very arrogant yeah and and very you know to the point all right what are you calling what are you calling for so i'm calling about a murder which murder he's okay who's the detective i don't know i'm trying to figure it out okay what's the guy's name who's the victim and i go jose pata he goes hold on okay he's all right yeah yeah that's detective uh you know whatever johnson i forget his name you know that's detective johnson and i'm like uh okay and he says, okay, uh, he's not here right now. He's at home. It's his day off. He said, but is this, if it's important, I'll call him at home and have him call you back. He goes, uh, what's this about? And I went, well, I just, I, I want to talk to him about this, about the, it's an unsolved murder. And I said, I have evidence that, that I think, um, that I'd like to discuss with him. And he, he goes, okay, okay. He said, uh, and what's your name? I go, my name is Matt Cox. And he said, the con man? <laughs> no. I, I asked Danny. <laughs> and I went, and I went, What? And he goes, the con man? He goes, bro, I knew I recognized your voice. He goes, my wife and I watched your podcast like two days ago. He goes, no he goes, way. He goes, we're watching the second one. It just came out, right? He said, with that uh, uh, that concrete thing, right? Yeah, we watched it. He goes, bro, it's a great story, man. It's a great story. He goes, I knew I recognized you. He goes, this is Matt Cox, right? And I was like, <laughs> I, I'm sitting there thinking, I felt like I was being punked. Yeah. Like I was like. Because <laughs> as soon as I, so I told him, I said, yeah. He goes, is this one of your stories? Is that what it is? You're working on a story? I was like. Yeah, I actually already wrote the story, but I'd really love to see it come to a conclusion. Right now, it's kind of anticlimactic, but I'd love to see the, it. You know, there be a, an actual um, it, the the case get resolved. I'd love to be a part of that. And he goes, "Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna call Detective Johnson at home right now and get him to call you back. What's your number? I let, me, like, let me get him on three way. <laughs> I was like, yeah. oh my god. He's like, I can't believe I'm gonna call my wife and tell her I talk to you. That's amazing. That was just crazy. like. Now the video had gotten like it was almost at a million view because I hung up the phone and I called you and this is typical Danny. I called Danny. I said, "Bro, listen, to what just happened, man? This is what happened." Blah 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 blah. I go, "The guy's like," and he, and he had actually watched the podcast. He was in California and he goes, "Well, you know the the internet, or, you know YouTube's global, right?" And I was just <laughs> like, dick. I, "That's what I thought." <laughs> well, it's the internet. It's not only in Florida, right? Yeah, I was like, oh, "Yeah, God. all right." Well, the the idea that he would see it is kind of crazy. He's like, "Well, he's in law enforcement," so you know, he immediately tries to start to belittle. Yeah, him, yeah. You know, like you're just Typical. a complete idiot. Yeah, I was just like, "Yeah, all right, forget it." You're not. You were supposed to be excited and everything. Yeah. I was excited on the inside. <clears throat> yeah, right. That's got to be one of the first times the cops ever been happy to talk to you. Uh, no, they're all. Or happy I guess to they're happy that yeah. I was happy to talk to him. Yeah, right? yeah. It, was, it wasn't a in a nice way. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's funny is uh, that the other cop called me immediately, the detective. Yeah. 
And he was, and I was like, uh, okay. I said, hey, my name's, my name's Matt Cox, and I this. He goes, I know who you are, Mr. Cox. I've read the source. <laughs> the name of the story, and I was just like. The name of the story is He's the read the source. the source? Yeah. Oh, shit. I was like. Wow. This, it, was, it was bizarre. It, it was is. bizarre. Um, and that's, you know, I even, you, and I think when we talked, you were like, oh, you got to come on and do the story. But the guy that's involved in it at the time, he was like, nah, bro. He's like, don't, 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 don't do this. Let's wait. Let's, I mean, he's, listen, he's worried. Who? The, the main, when I tell you the story, the guy who's basically, he's the jailhouse lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, and his name is, uh, it's Chris, it's Chris Silva, but it's not Chris Silva. Like I've changed the name because I mean, he's literally concerned that. Someone on the street could get hurt, like a family member, or he. I mean, he's incarcerated; he could get hurt. I mean, mm-hmm. he's he's concerned. Sure. So I didn't say anything then, but like a month or so ago, I I, I had talked to him and I said, "Look, what do you want to do, bro? You know, you want me to talk about the story? I'm not, there's no movement. What do you want?" He goes, "Yeah, go ahead, go ahead and do something. Go ahead and uh, do a podcast or something." And he goes, he's like, "Well, you think somebody will do it?" I was like, "I'll call Danny. Danny will do it." Huh. You know? Okay. Let's well let's let's tell the story chronologically from start to finish okay and not try to like jump around because a few of these we've done we've jumped around and confused people so right right yeah well that 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 little the homicide detective thing was just that's hilarious that's, yeah that's, that's just funny it has nothing that to is the great story. so how did this whole thing start okay so he's got a stack of paperwork for people who well, for people who uh, are only listening on audio matt has got a stack about three inches deep of 302 reports Exhibit A, he's got evidence. He's got all kinds of stuff he's going through. They're not through it. They, they would be they would be DEA sixes, but still, yes, yeah, same basic concept. Um, okay, so oh Jesus, are you yeah, serious? This is this is ridiculous, oh bro. I can't, I'm sorry, sorry. I'll I'll hang up. I'll put you didn't tell me. You gotta tell me. All right, Matthew Cox, no manners. Okay, so um, all right. So, um, from the beginning, I'll do it like this. Yes. From the beginning. All right. <laughs> All right. So, everybody, not everybody. Okay. You understand there's, as far as um, cartels are concerned, like Mexican cartels, right? Uh, drug cartels. Um, there are multiple me- Mexican drug cartels. All right. The biggest one at one point in time was the Sinaloa cartel. El Chapos? El Chapos, right. Okay. It, it's actually run by. When at, it, at its height, everybody always thinks of El Chapo because he was the most well-known. But there's actually a guy, uh, uh, Mayo Zambada and El Chapo, who actually started it. Okay, so the Sinaloa Cartel. <clears throat> Easy for you to say. Take two. So the, the Sinaloa Cartel basically created a, a federation of cartels. And, and then ultimately and, – and this is funny because like they all kind of started being known as like the Sinaloa Cartel, right? But it wasn't. It was the Sinaloa was one of them. And then El Chapo got a lot of press. There was a lot of murders. And he, he was very um, – um, Outlandish, a- outlandish, and so people saw. And so people started saying, "Oh, that's El Chapo's. He's running that." Yeah. that. But really, it's uh, um, Mayo Zambada is really probably the brains behind the operation. Um, so, who is Mayo? Uh, Mayo Zambada is a, he's actually never been arrested. There's like one shitty photo of him out there, and he's basically he's like seventy something years old, trying to retire. He's actually told the the government like five or ten years ago. He actually told the. Um, the Mexican government, like, look, like, like, let me pay you a billion dollars, just, and we'll, I'll stop. We're good. 
Yeah, I'm gone. And they're like, no. <laughs> you know, no. You know, because that's basically what, what um, what's his name, Pablo Escobar was like, look, he tried to pay off like. Everybody. Yeah, the, well, the national debt. He's like, yeah. national debt, you yeah. give me a thing, I'm out. And they were like, no, you got to go to prison. They should have took it. Fuck it. Yeah, well, he ended up go- going to, he ended up building, building his building own, own prison. And murdering people right. inside of it. And yeah. was like, come on, what are you doing, bro? I would have taken, just take the money. Like, oh, you get a pass. Yeah. Wipe the national debt clean. Yeah. <sighs> um. Okay, so the Sinaloa cartel smuggles, you know, billions of dollars worth of drugs across the, uh, uh, in, into the United States, right? Mm-hmm. So what happens is, is most people think, oh, well, all the cocaine, yeah, it's all made in Mexico. Not really. It's really more made in, in Colombia and Venezuela. Mm-hmm. And as it moves up through South America, <clears throat> your basic kilo of cocaine, which is like 1500 bucks when it's made, as it gets closer to the border – Every step of the way, it becomes more and more expensive. Right. You got to keep paying to have it transferred here, right. transferred checkpoints. Right. Well, and just the the, the movement, and got to pay off. You know, you got to pay people off. Right. You got some of it gets gets seized, you know, seized, whatever. Yeah. So once it gets to the border, it's one price, and then once it gets goes through the tunnels, um, it's another price. And keep in mind, all these cartels work with one another. So the Sinaloa cartel might actually be at war with, let's say, the New Generation cartel. But they'll still deal with them. We're at war killing each other. But, hey, I know we hate each other. I know we, your guys killed a bunch of my guys yesterday, and we're having a war, and we're taking, taking over each other's territory. But, listen, I've got, like, like 2,000 uh, kilos of Coke, and I need to get it through one of your tunnels, and we don't know where it is. We'd rather pay you 500 bucks per kilo to get it under. What do you think? Yeah, mm-hmm. of course, of course. Come on. I mean, they're still doing still, business. Right. Kind of so, like America. Right. So what happens is, as it gets closer, it becomes the price changes, and that's yeah. that's basically why it's uh, the the subtitle is the twisted tale of how an L.A. kingpin paid the Jalisco price because what the is whole Jalisco Jalisco is a, a town uh, in the Mexican side of the border, and that's what the whole argument was. Uh, this whole thing kind of started at once. Uh, there's a bunch of money, and, and these two guys are arguing over how much to pay, and mm. and, and somebody ends up getting killed as a result of that. Okay. So. That's that's it. it the, the name of the of the story is the source. It's the um, the twisted tale of how an L.A. kingpin paid the uh, paid the Jalisco price. So, with that said, we know about the cartel now. We know what the title means. Here's what happened. There was a guy named Juan uh, Garcia. Juan Garcia's like niece or nephew or sister married into the Sinaloa cartel. So she married some. She married like Mayo's nephews, uh, one of Mayo's hold nieces on, or nephews. A, hold on a second. Sorry to interrupt. What, where? So where is this guy coming from? Like, how, how did you get introduced to who this guy was? No, I haven't. I haven't met any of these people. Okay, so so you're basically the guy that you met in prison, who's the lawyer, is is telling you the story of this guy, right? Jailhouse lawyer. So he's not the, a real lawyer. The, the jailhouse lawyer. Did he know this guy in person? No. I'm going to get to it all. I mean, I can tell you how I met him. Basically, I met a guy. I met a guy who does law work in prison. Yeah, I think it's better to start with that, how you met okay. that guy, and, how, and then that kind of like introduces okay. the whole story. Okay, the way I, I ended up with the story was this. I was in the middle of I'd, – I'd written a book called Once a Gun Runner. Right, with Deveroli. Deveroli, which Deveroli then got out of prison with the manuscript, according to Deveroli and his, all of his um, motions, Warner Brothers – got a hold of the manuscript and used it to write the movie War Dogs. Mm-hmm. 
and he was in the middle of suing them. But Deveroli had never paid me. Like he took the like if you saw the movie, you know he's not a he's not a soft and cuddly guy. He took the he actually took the manuscript and never paid me for it. Like he was going to send me money. He was going to publish the book. He was going to he this. sign anything. Yeah, he signed. He you, signed. Got him, you got him to sign shit when you wrote it. Yeah, like, will, like have, signed some sort of waiver. Con- I have a contract. What do you mean? I have oh, a you contract. signed a contract with him in prison. Waiver. I don't need a waiver if you're dealing. If we're, you keep with the waiver. Um, you said that last time about some some what, about a, what? Did you get a waiver? There's not. I don't need a waiver if you're working with me and we're writing a book. So you together. signed like a works for hire contract. Exactly. With him. That's right. that was that's what happened. So exactly. I signed a, a contract. But the problem is, you're supposed to pay me when the book gets published. Pu- book was published. You never paid. Me. I just sue him. Okay. Point is, so I'm. I had just found out that he had published the book and that he was suing Warner Brothers, and he's not contacting me at all. At that point, I still had. I was. I still had. 15 years to go on my sentence. So he's thinking he's never seeing me again. I don't have to pay that guy. That guy's gone. Yeah. So what what ended up happening was I was looking for someone to help me with legal work. Well, Frank Amadeo, which is another book I wrote called It's Insanity. Frank Amadeo was too busy. Okay. He's doing people's criminal cases. You're doing someone's criminal case. A civil case is, is like, I'm trying to get this guy out of prison. Yeah. And you're concerned <clears throat> because you haven't got your several thousand dollars or whatever. It's like, what, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't have time for this shit. So yeah. what happened was I, I ended up talking. There was another guy who just arrived. All right. He had just arrived in prison uh, or at the, at the low security prison from California. So I go up to him and I say, Hey man, uh, listen, I heard you do legal work. I said, I have a problem. And I explained the whole problem and he goes, okay. And then he said, let me check it out. He goes to legal work. A couple days later, he comes back. He goes, I think we can sue him for this uh, breach of contract, blah, blah, blah. I said, okay, cool. He said, we, uh, you know, we can definitely do that. So he says he agrees to go ahead and take on the case. No problem. Well, as we start walking around, I'm asking, I ask him questions. You know, we start walking the track, talking about the case. And then I'm, I'm asking him about him. I'm like, oh, you heard from Ella? Yeah, you know, drug case, big drug case. There's a lot of guys, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So as we're walking, and, and his name, like I said, uh, Chris Silva. So Chris and I are walking around. That's his real name? No, it's not his real name. Okay. It's, it's, that's a, a, a pseudonym because he's concerned about getting hurt or anybody getting hurt as a result. So as we're walking around, I'm like, well, were you – he was so well-spoken and was so knowledgeable on the law. I thought he might have been a lawyer on the street. And I said, so were you a lawyer on the street? He said, nah, I was here for drugs. He said, I'm here for drugs. And I was like, oh, okay. He's like, what, he goes, what are you here for? I go, con man. Like that. And he goes, nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, so we're walking around the track. And he goes, uh, he said, yeah, I just started doing law work when I was, got locked up. I had so much time and, and, and I was in California. It's almost all cartel guys. So I started working with the cartel guys and helping them try and get out of, you know, get their sentences reduced. And so he would do stuff like try and get, he started off slow. He started getting people's like, they have, uh, you have like a, you have a, an open case in California or an open case in fucking whatever, in Nevada, but you can't get a treaty transfer until those cases get resolved. So he started like, knocking off all these, they're called detainers, de- getting rid of detainers, that sort of thing. Eventually, he gets better and better. Before you know it, he's working with these high-priced lawyers. Like you're some Mexican cartel guy. You've got millions of dollars. You can hire some lawyer for half a million dollars. Well, the problem is that lawyer's like, look, this guy doesn't read English. Yeah. Like, so – 
Chris would come in, read all his paperwork, and then talk to the lawyer for him. He also mm. doesn't not only doesn't read English, he probably doesn't even speak English. So he becomes the get the go between. That seems like a really great thing to do once you get locked up in prison. Legal it work? seems like something that could like really <clears throat> occupy your time. Well, not only sure. occupy your time, but also give you like some sort of value. Oh, absolutely, and that, protect you. You know what I mean? Like, well, that's the big thing with him is that he wasn't a gang member. Right. He's not a cartel member. So you're not with a gang. You're not with a cartel. You've got to find something to you, do. You need to make yourself um, valuable. valuable. Yeah. Right, exactly. Otherwise, you're a victim. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, there's there's only, you know, sheep and wolves. Exactly. So, And if you're doing that kind of shit for those kind of guys, they want to protect yeah. you because you're saving their ass. Yeah, I remember. Well, I was, he, he told me this one story. It was hilarious. I was like, he was like, only had one one problem ever because he just wasn't affiliating. Guys are like, you know, who you affiliate with? I'm not. And then they'd ask around, like, hey, man, that guy's not affiliated. What's up with that guy? And then they'd be like, don't touch him. Don't even talk talk to that guy. You know? So what happens is he starts getting better and better. And he did this for five or ten years. And before you know it, he's really taking on guys' cases. Like, he's doing 2255s, right? So he's knocking. And and he starts having this great track record. And because he would really do the research, like, I'm not going to file crap. A lot of guys will just take your money. Yeah. All right, man. So, yeah, have, to have your family put fifteen hundred bucks, and I'll take your kid, knowing that you don't have a prayer. Yeah. Mm. And, and they do that all the time. Like you, I, I always joke around. I'm like, you, you understand? I could write a motion in green crown and send it in, and I it could say it could say uh, do the right. It, it, this is Matt Cox's do the right thing motion, and and the government would respond like it was a real motion. <laughs> The government, the court, be like the, uh, the 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 government is ordered to respond to Mr. Cox's do the right thing motion, uh, pursuant to section such and such. I mean, if you didn't know anybody, you'd read the whole thing and think, man, they're they're taking this guy's serious. doing something serious, yeah, because yeah. you don't know anything. You're some drug dealer. Right. Mm. You rob banks. You don't know anything, right? So it, it and that's the worst thing. So you get these guys in here who act like they're big shot. You know, they really know what they're doing, but they don't. They just know more than you. Yeah. I, I don't even know a little bit about, about a subject more than someone else to prove that I'm a genius. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the point is, is he starts having real success 10 years off here, five years here, seven years here, 13 years here. And guys are like, it's like, wow, you're doing great. He's doing pretty good. But he's very selective. So what happens is eventually he meets a, another inmate by the name of Juan Gar- uh, um, by the name of Juan Garcia. I love that name, too. It's so generic. Is that a pseudonym also, or is that a real? That's his real name. Why yeah. not use it? Yeah. <laughs> there's got to be a million of them. Right. In the BOP, there's probably, <laughs> yeah. there's probably 2,000. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, so he, he meets this guy, Juan Garcia, and he starts working on Juan's case. Now, here is the, the issue with Juan Garcia is this, is that Juan Garcia, after, after Chris reviewed all the documents— he came back to him and he said, you're time barred. See, once you're sentenced, you only have one year to, to file what's called a 2255, which is either there was a, a, a procedural error or your lawyer didn't know what they were doing or they were ineffective or incompetent. This guy had been locked up like eight years on a 25-year sentence. So he's basically – Chris was like, you don't have a you, – you're way past the time bar. Yeah. And, and the only way to get around that is new evidence. You don't have it, okay? So there's nothing I can do. And the guy's like, well, okay. So he said eight months to a year goes by, and the guy every once in a while will come to him and say, hey, what about this? He'd be like, no, because of this, that doesn't work. Oh, okay. You know, and, and this happens. Well, um, 
Okay, so he so that's how he met Juan Garcia, Chris. Okay. Now it. let's go back to the beginning. How did Juan Garcia end up in prison? This is the better way. Okay. So now let's go back. Juan Garcia started. He was a drug distributor for the Sinaloa cartel. All right. Now there's a. Now he ended up in that position um, because, like, his sister married like Nacho's niece or nep- niece's kid, his nephew's kid or something. Somehow or another, he's connected okay. to Two. Nacho, which is the head of the Sinaloa cartel through marriage of some kind. And so what they did was they came to him and they said, look, man, you want to make some money? Go buy a couple of trucks and we'll load, via, we'll load the trucks up with cars and we'll put compartments in the cars. And then you can drive, del- you can deliver those, those vehicles to Chicago. You're talking about like semi-trucks. Right, right, right. exactly. A, a trucking company. So right. you, you can deliver them to uh, New York, you know, Chicago. You'll pull up, you'll leave your your vehicle in a parking lot, they'll unload it. You come out the next day, the car's gone, you get on the, on the truck and leave. Uh-huh. It's really not a bad situation because even if you get pulled over and the cops search the vehicles and they find something in the vehicle, the driver can always say, well, bro, I, I just drive the truck. I, didn't right. load, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. it's pretty good. It's a pretty good um, concept. Mm-hmm. So Juan does this and Juan's making a ton of money. But, but Juan's, is he really a drug dealer? If you're if you talk to a drug dealer who's in like the drug game, this is a guy like like Chris basically explained. He got into it. He started selling like one pill. He started off with like one pill. He's like literally, I'm like, that's it. He's like and built his way all the way up. Now Juan Garcia started at the top. Yeah. Buy a truck, hire a driver, boom, you're making a hundred thousand a week. You're doing great. Guy's making. He's driving a. A, a yellow Hummer. I mean, he's doing like he lives in like a two million dollar house. I mean, he's he's flamboyant. He's he's throwing big parties. I mean, he's acting exactly like any decent drug dealer wouldn't act. Yeah, not anybody with longevity. Hmm. So he's um, so he's doing great. Well, here's what happens. He's buying oh, the guy who gives him all of his drugs. I'm sorry, where is he living? He's living in California. Okay. The guy who gives him all of his drugs is a guy named Jose Pata. Okay. Um, now Pata is basically like Smith or Brown. There's tons of them, mm-hmm. all right? So it's another generic name. Mm-hmm. So, and Jose, another generic name. So, but it's, it's but those are their own names. Matter, matter of fact, you could put Jose Pata, you know, murder, uh, LA murder or uh, California murder, whatever. <laughs> There's a bunch of articles. So what happens is Juan, uh, Jose Pata is giving the drugs to Juan. Juan's loading up the vehicles putting them on the car movers, whatever, the semis. They're going back and forth. This is working out great. goes on for a few years. Ultimately, what happens is one day one of his trucks gets pulled over and a bunch of drugs. I'm not sure if it was drugs or money get seized. And I mean like one and a half million dollars worth of drugs or money get seized. They get pulled over. Now, his drivers had been pulled over before, by the way. Vehicles had been searched, never found them. This one got pulled over. I remember it was a Mitsubishi. The cop goes straight to the Mitsubishi, opens it up, goes straight to the to the to the hidden compartment, boom, opens it up, bam. He knew it. where it was. Knew wow. where it was. Somebody told him. Yeah. No doubt somebody told him. This this isn't a fluke. So they take the whole Mitsubishi. They they call the DEA. DEA shows up. They take the whole Mitsubishi. DEA goes to the driver and says, here's my business card. 
if the owner of the Mitsubishi wants to talk to him, have him call me. Okay, now I'm I'm simplifying this. There's a whole bunch of other stuff that's happening, but that's the crux of the problem. In the meantime, by the way, another shipment gets seized. So now so what Juan, happens to the driver? Nothing. I'm just a driver. I drive the truck. So they took I'd, all the cocaine out of the truck. No, no, they just took, they took it was it wasn't a truck. It was a, a Mitsubishi. It was just as a car hauler. Like all the different cars are on the truck. Yeah, I know what you mean. So they they take the Mitsubishi. It was just a car, a Mitsubishi, whatever. Just one of the cars. Yeah, okay. they take they take the whole car. You're talking about the the truck pulling the cars, or just a car a, off the trailer? A car, a car that was on off, the truck. Yeah, a car okay. on the trailer. Okay, okay. Yes. okay. And they took one car and gave him and gave the driver a business a car. business car because he's saying I don't know nothing about it. So these guys knew the coke was in that one car. Right. They knew right, right where, where it, was. it was. Went straight to the. And thing. They didn't even <clears throat> say that to the driver. Yeah, they told him he's sitting there watching. Wow, and he—they didn't say anything other than look. They're like, "Who's Mitsubishi? I don't know. It was just loaded on it. I, I drive for this co- trucking company. That's all I know." Mm. Okay, well, if the if the guy with the Mitsubishi wants it, here's my card. Walks it, leaves. He's like, "Okay." He calls Juan. Juan says, "You know," he tells him, "Hey, listen. Oh my God, you know the guy that yeah yeah." Oh, he tells him the whole thing. Here's what happened. Okay. Turns out. Now, that was the story. Turns out what... You can move it if you want. You can do it, angle it. No, I, just, I keep hitting it because I talk oh, with my fine. hand. That's it's fine. ridiculous. Um, I can't stop. Don't worry about it. It's all right. Um, what ends up happening is they wired the phone of the driver. So they get a, they get a, a, a wire. I don't know if you know how a wire works, but it's not hard to get a wire, especially if you just found drugs on the guy. Mm-hmm. You mean so like tapped the phone? They tapped mm-hmm. the phone. They have right. a wiretap, a, a court-ordered wiretap. Okay. Well, anybody he calls that they basically say, we believe he's a part of the conspiracy, boom, wire. So now the, he, he picks the phone, calls Juan. Hey, there's an issue. I was pulled over. There was a problem. They took one of the vehicles. What? Oh, my. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I know. Uh, you gave me a business card. I'll give it to you. Okay, well, I'll see you. Then, okay, he hangs up the phone. Juan then calls multiple other people. One of the guys he calls is a guy named Cuco, which is one of his partners. He calls up. And Kuko's and he's like, you know, the guy, they took the guy, the, the guy, the guy with the money, the guy with the money. And he's like, he's saying all this on the phone. That's yeah. all I know because because I have the transcripts of him basically just calling up and bearing. He calls all these guys and they all get wiretaps immediately on those guys. Oh, my God. There's actually a DEA. This is a 8,500 per kilo. This is, this is all cocaine kilos. Anyway, $8,500 per kilo. Yeah, like on one side of the border. Okay. And then as soon as it gets here, it jumped to like 11. Right. Or was it 17? I don't know. Probably 17. Right. Um, and that's on in, and then it changes as it goes up to like New York. Yeah. Okay, so what happens is this. So th- there was another seizure too. In the meantime, there's another seizure. So he now owes, and I don't know, the, it's like 2.3 or 2.5. I'm going to go with 2.5. He, Juan now owes $2.5 million to the Sinaloa cartel. So what he does is he ends up he ends up going to Mexico. And the Sinaloa cartel or the cartel in general, they they don't like losses, but they understand they happen. Yeah. Right. And, and if you can provide so you think, oh I I owe him two and a half million dollars, they're gonna kill me. Well not if you can prove you know, not if you can prove, look, this is what happened <clears throat> and I'm gonna pay you back. You're responsible. You have to pay him right. back. But they'll let you pay him back. They're not just going to whack you immediately. So these guys actually go to Mexico. Um, 
and they meet with Nacho, okay? They meet with Nacho, they meet with um, Jose Pata, and they meet with a guy named G. Um, his name is, uh, I have it written down here, but it's too complicated. It's, yeah, it's Germano, Olivares, or whatever. But you don't G. have to have the whole name. Yeah, yeah, exactly, G. So I don't want you to say the whole name. Yeah, listen, Keep going. This, this, it's, they're all in the indictments. So I've got the <laughs> indictments. Um, so he's there, and so they they basically, Juan shows up with Cuco and another guy. I'm not going to say his name. It's just too many characters. But the point is they, they show up, and they go, you owe us $2.5 million. And he's like, yeah, I know. Well, here's what happened. He's like, you owe us $2.5 million. You don't have a seizure. There was no arrest. You just lost $2.5 million. You're basically just coming to me saying, hey, you know the $2.5 million? Yeah, it's gone. Right. Here's a business card. If he stole it, he probably wouldn't have done that, though. Right. And that's, that was their argument because they're saying, you gave me a business card. Right. Why would I come to you like this if well, I just was stealing it from you? Right. Well, it would be different. Like, like if, if there were arrests, these guys can have their lawyers find out, hey, there was, there was four arrests. Right. There were seizures. Then it's like, okay, clearly he didn't take the money. The money, the government has the money. The cops right. knew that. Was it the DEA? Probably. Yeah, it was DEA. Then they so, knew that, so they, they knew. Right, if, but he doesn't have any proof of that. All you've got is a business card. Right. What I'm saying is the DEA knew if they didn't arrest them, they wouldn't be able to go back to, you know what well, I'm you, saying? Well, the I'm driver point. Right. I, no, I, I agree, but also you kind of have to make the argument, too, that's like, why would they arrest the driver? Because the driver has a viable mm. defense. I'm just True. a driver. Yeah. You know, you can't necessarily arrest me for, I'm not, not only is it not on my truck, it's not my cab, it's actually not even on the truck, it's in a vehicle that was on the truck that right. I didn't load. So it's like, yeah, he's going to get out of this immediately. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what happens is, uh, um, Pada ends, uh, Jose Pada ends up saying, you know, well, you owe us the money. And of course, uh, Cuco and, and says, look, we're going to pay you back. He's, I'm going to sign over, you know, we can't explain it. I know it doesn't make sense, but we're going to pay you back. We wouldn't have come in here to Mexico and come here if we just ripped you off for $2.5 million. You just wouldn't find it. You know, we try and get away. We're here saying, look, we're going to pay you back. Cuco immediately signs over his ranch. They scrape together all the money they can, and they pay him back. They pay him back the $2.5 million. Right. They, they pay them all. And it takes a few weeks to, obviously, you know, you've got drugs out. They couldn't just say, like, oh, we'll do another one for free. They couldn't. No, it's, it's not that much. It's more like 100000 here, 100000 Well, these guys are terrified. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm going to do everything. Right. Like, they're trying to put the money together now. Right. Now. Let's get it now. We don't want to. Yeah. You know, we're not getting out of payment. Around, we're going to get out of payment plan. Off. Right. Yeah. What happens if you try to say, hey, I'll do another run for free, and then you get stopped again. Yeah. Then you're, right. it's, then you're really fucked. Right. And then they come and they just kill your family and everything. You know, it's no good. So what ends up happening is, um. They go back, they scrape together all the money, and I remember um, Chris told me that Juan told him that when they had all the money together and they were actually going to deliver it to Pata, Cuco mm-hmm. um, actually said, uh, you know, we're going to kill this motherfucker. At some point, we need to kill this guy because they had the, uh, there was an argument. They didn't mind paying back, but Cuco and um, Juan Garcia were calling Pata and saying, listen – Please do us a favor. This is like everything we have. I'm asking you to let us pay you back, but let us not pay you back the American price. Let us pay you back the 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 Jalisco price, okay? Which was four or five thousand dollars. Which was per, his his cost. Right, right, exactly per 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 kilo. So right. it ends up being that's like a million dollars less or, or eight hundred thousand, whatever it was. It was it was hundreds of thousands of dollars less. Yeah. Like, do us a favor, right? And he said no. 
no, no, I can't do that. No, I actually Jeez. have the transcripts where he's saying no. He's a can't. I remember his exact words were can't be done. No, nope, can't be done. And he's like, this is everything I've got. And he's like, eh, can't be done. Tough. So he's like, he's like, you know, you'll make it back. But think if you've been dealing in drugs for a couple of years now, and that's everything you've got, and you just had to hand it all over. I mean, that's that's devastating. It doesn't oh, seem yeah. devastating if you work at Walmart, but it seems devastating at the level that this guy and the, the risks he was taking. I mean, keep in mind, he gets caught. He's done. He gets 25 years. Right. So he give, hands over all the money, and these guys are basically saying at some point, we're, we're, I'm going to kill this dude. Because this guy, uh, Pata, was, was not like Pata. They were going to kill Pata? Yeah, well, they were just saying, if it ever comes up and we have an opportunity, I'm going to kill him. That's what Kuka was saying. I'll, I'll just kill this guy. So why did he think he could kill him so easily? I don't know. He's just furious that people talk shit. I don't know. You know he's just saying. He's just, I just thought it was interesting that that was something he specifically said. Yeah. He didn't. He. I don't know that he did kill him, but. But they obviously knew that, that was, Pata was, was like higher than him, and, and then they they were in the cartel, right? And he, right, but you you got to hear out how it kind of ends up. So what what ends up happening is a few weeks later, maybe a month later, he gets he uh, um, Juan Garcia gets gets arrested. So he gets arrested on on a conspiracy. Right, which part of the conspiracy is the vehicle? Juan's yeah. the truck driver. No, no, Juan is the guy running the truck company. Yeah, he's right? the he's, he's the guy who bought the trucks. Got right, it. and keep in mind too, Juan he's the one who married into the cartel. He's got the little it. guy that owns yep. all the trucks. He's actually a little guy. He's too. He's like five foot one, five foot two. Chris was like he was tiny. Wow, he's he's tiny and he he looks like a little oompa loompa. He's always waving his he's arms. Shorter than you are. Shorter than me. How old are you? You're uh, five five, right? I'm five six. I'm five seven with a good pair of shoes. <laughs> nice. Really hurt, hurts me. This okay. Um, anyway, uh, so what what happens is this: he gets arrested, and during the course of of him trying to fight his case, he he starts meeting a couple of the guys that he knows in prison. While while Juan's in prison, he meets like, hey, you know, yeah, yeah, you were arrested like six months ago. Because you got to think in that high of a game, you know, guys, and they're getting popped every once in a while. Yeah. He's meeting some guy, and the guy's like, yeah, 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 man, I, uh, um, I, I, yeah, I got arrested. He's like, oh, I'm, I took a plea or whatever. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And he's and the this other guy says to him, um, what happened? And he's like, oh, and Juan tells him kind of what happened, and he says. It's funny. He said you're dealing with Pata too, and he goes, yeah. He goes, yeah, I was dealing with him. He goes, I actually got pulled over. I took a bunch of drugs, met him. He handed over, whatever, 50 kilos or 100 kilos. These guys are moving 500 kilos. This yeah. is not you know, 1,000 kilos. I mean, wait till you see the notes. Um, you know, 250 kilos. So this guy got like 100 kilos or something, and right down the street got pulled over and arrested after just meeting with Pata. He knows another guy got arrested just after getting something from Pata. They meet another guy got arrested just after like there's all these guys that Potter is connected to that are getting popped. That are getting popped. So Juan immediately starts <clears throat> thinking something's not right. Well, then one of his co-defendants was cooperating. He had actually done a DEA six, where he said he believes Jose Potter was an a, 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 an informant, right? So when when Juan goes to meet his lawyer. And he tells him, man, I don't know. All these guys are saying pot, 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 you know, well, pot, pot, but, but it couldn't be pot. It couldn't be pot. His lawyer says, I've got a DEA six right here where it set, where it says that he's a CI or he's a, he's a confidential informant. 
he and he's like what like he he really doesn't believe it but his lawyer shows him the thing but it wasn't actually a document that proved it it was just saying that this guy said it right but because it was on an official document and it appeared that he was a ci right and the other guy was saying he's a ci that was what that that document really solidified it for Juan. Juan was like, he's a CI. It says it right here on DEA six. No, the D, it's just an interview where you're saying it. It's you're just transcript. some other, right? You're just some guy saying, oh yeah, he's a CI. Oh, Pata CI. Mm. Well, they don't know who Pata is. So it just says Pata, C, Pata is a CI. doesn't mean he's a CI. It just means you think it. Right. You're just some inmate or some, some, uh, some defendant. Anyway, because it said it, he believed it. And his lawyer saying, yeah, I know. I think it is too. I think he is too. And other people are saying it, that's it. In his mind, he's like, "That's he's a CI. So they put together a whole motion where it says that because they were using Pata, they didn't have a right. Because Pata was working as a CI, they didn't have a right to get a warrant. Why would you get a warrant when you have a, a CI inside the organization? You don't need the warrant. You don't have justification for the warrant. Uh, right. Now, that's an argument that works sometimes. But what ends up happening is when they finally get a hearing and they get in front of the judge, the the government comes forward and says, we don't know who Jose Pata is. We don't even know who – we we've never even heard that name. Like what are you talking about? He's not a CI. We don't know what you're talking about. And Juan is saying, no, you're protecting him. And mm-hmm. the lawyer is saying, no, they're protecting him. And they're saying, we're not going to lie to the court. It's, it's, it's not true. We don't even know who this person is. So what, so what happens is Juan – they lose the motion – Juan's looking at life in prison. They offer him 25 years. They're saying, you're the leader. He's saying, Jose Pata is the leader, not me. And they say, the well. The leader of what? He's, he's his boss. He's the king. Like, he's above me. They're saying, no, you're running the show. You're the one getting the shipments. You're distributing it. He's saying, right. no, I'm just, a, I'm just a guy that owns the trucks. Right. Yeah. I don't get it from Mexico. Mm-hmm. So you're not really, you're not the top dog. Because trust me, the, the leadership role, you get extra. Yeah. You, you get hit with extra levels. Isn't that called the kingpin or something? Um, What's the, what is that? What is that term? The kingpin? Yeah, kingpin. Yeah. It, are you, but here's the in the in the federal system. There's really guys call it the kingpin. It's basically it's it's a it's a you're like a leader organizer or you're a um, it's the uh, a continuing criminal enterprise. And people say it's a kingpin. And kingpins when you get the kingpin charge, charge. you automatically get life, right? No, not necessarily. It's every state is, is – most states actually will have a, an actual – where it'll actually say you can get charged with being a kingpin. Because in a podcast – feds, you don't really get a kingpin charge. They, they, the inmates call, oh, that's a kingpin charge. But they actually have it written in the statute where it's like this is a kingpin charge. I just, I just did a podcast with this lady whose son got the kingpin. Like he – they offered him like a really low plea where he could take like 10 years or something like that and he fought the government on it. And they said he, was he basically king. just started. He started uh, Silk Road, right? You know the underground marketplace for yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he fought it. He didn't take the plea deal, and they somehow got him with a kingpin charge, even though he was not moving any drugs. He never sold any drugs. <clears throat> never did. They well, tried to make up this story where he he actually. They're saying he did a, a murder for hire, but he did not. That's, that's not even true. And they they somehow were able to pin him with the kingpin charge and he went directly to and this is a a 26 year old at the time he was 26 no the, the no, dreaded pirate roberts yeah right? dreaded pirate roberts that was his uh his, his handle his handle and he had no criminal history never had been arrested 26 years old they got him with the kingpin charge and sent him directly to the Co- the colorado 
maximum security prison that El Chapo is in right yep. now. Underground. And he has a double life sentence. Yeah. Double. Yeah. He's done. And El Chapo only has one life sentence. So he technically has double the sentence of El Chapo. Yeah. Well, it's going to be hard to do that second life sentence. Um, but a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, basically, that's like continue. You're, you're the ringleader. You're it's a continuing and continuing criminal enterprise. And you're you're the, the top person in a continuing criminal enterprise would be prob would basically be the kingpin. Just dummy. God. But a lot of guys, a lot of guys will say like anybody who's basically the the leader organizer in a conspiracy is the kingpin. Like if it has drugs involved, usually they'll say that's the kingpin. But technically, there is no technical kingpin charge. Yeah. Like in the state, they actually had charges called kingpin. Right. Charging him with statute such and such, such the mm -hmm. kingpin charge. Yeah. Um. Anyway, that's your that's we totally got off topic. Point is, is yeah, he um. They charged him with being the leader organizer, and he's saying, I'm not. I'm just a driver. I, I just own some trucks. I'm just a driver, basically. I'm just a driver. I just transport. Yeah. I, I'm not a, the distributor. I'm just a transporter. And so they – but the the difference is 10 years. So mm. instead of getting being able to plead guilty to 15 years, he pled guilty. He, he had to take 25. The judge didn't believe him. He's like, I don't believe you. Because because when the government stands up, they, they stood up and said – your Honor, there, there is, there are two. There, the kingpins in this case is Juan Garcia and his co-defendant. Those are the kingpins. They keep talking about Jose Pata. There is no Jose Pata. I don't know who Jose Pata is. They keep talking about it, and there isn't. We don't know who that is. So, what ends up happening is he gets twenty-five years. So he goes to prison. He goes to prison. He does eight years, and eight years later, he meets Chris Silva. The jailhouse lawyer that has a great reputation. Who you became friends with. Yes. Juan goes to, to to Chris. He shows him his paperwork. He says, you're time barred. That's it. Maybe a year later, he comes back and he says, Juan comes to Chris and he says, listen, I just found out that one of my co-defendants, when he went to trial, the DEA got on the stand and the DEA agent said that the money or the he got on the stand and he said that the person supplying all the drugs was a guy named Jose Pata. And he said, but when I was sentenced, the government denied there was a Jose Pata. Hmm. So Chris went, well, you might have something there because you can't, the government cannot take two inconsistent um, uh, positions. You see what I'm saying? You can't, yeah, yeah. You can't argue. You can't play that, both sides. Right. So you didn't know about him, but then you right, but were then with talking him, you about did. him in another court right. case. I mean, you can, but you need to go back and correct that. Mm -hmm. And that's something that's questionably a new fact. Could be a new fact. Yeah. So what he does is Chris says, well, you know what? He says, yeah, let's, uh, let's order the transcripts. So they order the transcripts. That's going to take a few months to get the transcripts. And they order them, and they pay for them, and Juan's sister buys them or whatever. So – um. While they're waiting, um, while they're waiting, and Chris is getting stuff mailed in, um, Juan comes to him and says, "You know, so what about?" He's like, he he's going back and forth. He's like, "Yeah, that guy." Uh, uh, he's telling him Jose Pata is a is a is a snitch, and he's like, "Well, let's let's see." So they they get the paperwork in and they they file some paperwork. They file the motion, 
and the motion comes back. I'm pretty sure this is the way it lays out. Like I could be off a little bit, but pretty sure the motion lays out and um, they file the motion and the government immediately denies that he's an informant. We don't know who this person is. Well, what, what ends up happening is he ends up saying to, to Juan, well, there's an issue. They're going to, if they keep denying this, you know, they can always deny that it's the same Jose Pata or it's a different one or it's just who knows what they're going to do. That, that, um, U.S. attorneys are very good at manipulating the facts. Sure. Without technically breaking the law. You know, they'll omit things or, Your Honor, I didn't know that. Or they'll switch prosecutors and then this prosecutor can say, I didn't realize that. Oh, I wasn't here. I just <clears> got assigned. <throat> I, so they, they're very good at that. So he ends up saying, you know, we need to be able to prove that Jose Pada exists. And he's like, and we, we can't prove that. And he's like, well, what are you talking about? They said he exists. He said, no, no, it doesn't matter. We, we need to prove that, that he actually exists. And, and this guy, he never says Pada like he says Jose. They were getting their drugs from Jose. He didn't really say Potter, whatever, you know. So there's a whole it's all questionable. So he's like, he's like, we really need to figure out how we can prove he exists. And he's like, okay. He's like, well, let's think about that. If you know somebody who knows him or knows somebody, you know, let's try and figure out. Because they're not trying to get him in trouble. Mm-hmm. They're just trying to prove that he is a real person. Yeah. Well, what ends up happening is time goes by. It's not really of a new fact unless we can prove. No reason to file paperwork unless we can prove it. And one day. Chris is uh, watching TV or he's in his unit and Juan comes in and goes, come here, let me talk to you. And he walks over. He's like, what's up? He goes, what if Jose Pata was dead? And he goes, what do you mean? He goes, what if he was dead? He goes, dead how? Dead like two bullets in the back of the head dead or dead like he got hit by a car? He goes, dead like two bullets in the back of the head. He goes, oh. He goes, let's talk outside. They walk outside. He goes, did you have anything to do with it? He goes, absolutely not. Do you know anybody that had it? No. Did your code of it? No. He goes, I just heard... Um, like my sister or somebody in visitation came today and she told me that he was dead. I just heard he was dead. And he goes, well, if he's dead, um, we can probably, would that be good? We can show the newspaper articles. Mm-hmm. Goes, okay, cool. So wow. Chris orders the newspaper. Sure enough, he was dead. He was, he, he and his wife, Jose Pata, and his wife and two kids came home one night, pull into the car, in, a, in an affluent neighborhood in, in a bedroom community, like a suburb of Los Angeles, it's called Arcadia, and and it's a really he house worth a few million dollars. He pulls in, closes the garage. There's a, a cartel assassin is inside the garage already. He had pushed through the door. He's sitting in there. They pull up. Boom! Guy pulls out a gun. Come on, come in. Walks them both all inside. Tells Jose Pata, you know, this is about the money. You got the money. Where's the money? All the money you lost. He's like, I didn't lose any money. You know you owe that money. I don't have any money. I didn't take any money. It has nothing to do with me. And he, 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 and he like, puts him on his knees and shoots him in the fucking head. Fuck. Right. Wife and the wife and two kids are there, right? I think they're in a bedroom, an adjacent bedroom. It doesn't matter. <clears throat> you know daddy just got shot in the fucking head when you walk yeah. out the door. Daddy's laying in a pool of blood. So he's sitting there. Begging for his life in front of his wife and kids. He gets shot. He's dead. Okay. They disappear. There's a newspaper article. Chris gets the newspaper article mailed into prison. Newspaper article comes in. Well, SIS, which is the um, 
it's a special investigative services inside of all bureau of, all um, federal bureau of prisons have a, a division in each prison. So they catch it coming in. They catch the article. They call him in. They say, "What is this about?" He says, "I'm doing legal work for this guy, the guy involved in this case." He explains what's happened. What happened? And, he, and they go, "Okay, so this murder has nothing to do with you." He said, "No, no, no, no. It has nothing to do with me. It's just so, okay." So they give him the articles. No problem. So he's got the articles. He looks it over. Well, when they give him the articles, they say to him, hey, I got a question for you. Jose Pata. How are you going to prove it's the same Jose Pata? He's, what Who do you mean? Who says that to him? The, uh, S- I think it's either the lieutenant, okay. the SIS lieutenant, I think. Yeah. Says, how are you going to prove it's the same guy? He goes, I mean, that might as well be like, you know, like John Brown or Frank, right. Frank Smith. Mm. Right. It's a pretty common name. Yeah. Uh, pretty common in Mexico. For sure. And he goes, God, yeah, you're right. I don't, I, I don't know. I'll have to figure that out. Goes to Juan, tells Juan, "How are we going to prove it's the same guy? This could, this guy, you know, this guy could just be some guy who works at, at Walmart for all we know. It could be just an average Joe who has the same name." And he's like, "He goes, you need to be able to ID him." And there's no picture. And he's like, "Okay." So Chris says, "You know what we need to do? Let's call the homicide. Well, I'll write a letter for you to the homicide detective, tell, saying we have information. You used to deal with them. They'll come see you. When they come to see you, they're going to put down a bunch of photos. They're going to have you ID him." Once you ID the right guy, we can call the homicide detective as a witness. Mm-hmm. He'll say, "Yeah, no, no, no. Oh, he, he identified. He identified right him out of six, out of a lineup of six or eight pictures." Yeah. Was, wow. You know, now, because they weren't sure, because Jose Pata had, you know, these these drug dealers like they'll own three restaurants and a couple of uh, <clears throat> a couple of coin laundry mats. Yeah. And so they look. They'll look. He said on paper, Jose Pata looked clean. So for all you know, the homicide detective doesn't know that he's a drug dealer. Yeah. So now how do I prove he's my drug dealer contact? You know his wife's probably going to be saying, he's not a drug dealer. Right. Do you ever see the movie um, uh, Traffic? I don't know. Well, yeah, they, it sounds super familiar. They arrest this guy in like uh, whatever her name is, uh, Zeta Jones, uh, whatever. Uh, she's yeah. married to him. Like She has no idea her husband of like 15 years is this huge drug dealer. He's got businesses. Like They live in a fluent neighborhood. She's clueless. Mm. Luckily, Jose Pata's wife wasn't clueless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when the detective shows up, and just like the, he write, uh, Chris writes the letter, the detective shows up one day. They call uh, Juan Garcia in there. He says, you, you are, got your letter. He goes, I want you to – I want to know this is the same guy and that you actually know the guy. I want you to prove to me that you know him. And he puts out like nine pictures. Mm. And he goes, that's him. And he goes – yeah, that's Jose Pata. How do you know him? He's like, I used to buy drugs from him. And he starts telling him, I used to buy drugs. I used to this. I used to that. And he's like, yeah. He said, no, we, we, we know that he was a drug dealer. We know this. So, okay, so good. We're on the same page. Yeah, yeah. And he, so, he goes, okay. He said, so, yeah, definitely. He said, hey, and you know him. You, you, yeah, drugs. He's okay. Well, well, how, um, who, who do you think killed him? He's like, I, I, I don't know who killed him. And he says, okay. He says, well, why do you think he was killed? Do you, do you have any idea anybody that would want him? He goes, come on, man. You know why, why he was killed. He says, no. No, I don't. Why was he killed? Why do you think he was killed? He's like, man, he was a snitch. Mm-hmm. He worked for you guys. He worked for the government. He worked. Now, he, you know, this guy doesn't know any difference between a homicide detective and, a, and, a, and the federal government. He's an idiot. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, he worked for you. He worked for the government. He's a snitch. Lots of people wanted him dead. Shit, I don't yeah. know the difference between the fucking federal government and a homicide detective. Well, <laughs> so he starts saying this. Well, the homicide detective goes... No, I've checked. He wasn't an informant. And so he wasn't an informant. 
and and Juan is good. Yeah, he was a snitch. You know, you're just protecting him. He's the reason me and all my co-defendants got fucked up. He's the reason I got 25 years. He he lost. He he stole my money and he he got us busted. And he and, he, and he's sitting there going. And the homicide detective goes, "Oh, okay." He goes, "You know, couldn't figure out one. He's not a snitch. And two, I couldn't figure out. He didn't owe anybody money. I couldn't figure out why anybody would want to hurt him. But you sound like you have a motive. Yeah. And he goes, "Whoa." Uh, no man lots of people wanted he was like no I'm telling you he was not an informant he wasn't and he's like you have a he's like no man I gotta go man I, I'm I, what yeah, oh, oh. so he's like yeah you sound like you're the one who, who's well got then why would he be there trying to fucking point him out well right that's well cause he he thinks he's an informant he's 100% sure he's an informant but he's right, not right he's but from not. the homicide detective's point of view Right, the homicide detective point of view is saying he doesn't know who's got, he he's got nobody who's got a motive, but you just gave me a motive. Mm. One, he's not a snitch, but you're saying he is a snitch. You're saying he's the reason, even if everything you're saying is wrong, and 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 he really isn't. I'm right. He's not a snitch. Right. You clearly think he is, mm-hmm. and you clearly have a motive. So you you're, think he wants to pin it on Jose now? Right. He's he's or only one. Uh, Juan, yeah, Juan. Juan Garcia. He he's now thinking Juan Garcia definitely has a motive. Mm. Nobody else does. <clears throat> You're the only one who's given me any any uh, uh, any any cause. So he leaves. Juan Juan goes and finds Chris and says, "Listen, man, this is what happened. I picked him out just like you said." And then he's like, oh, "Okay, good, good, good." He goes like, "Yeah, but it, it went kind of bad. <laughs> I mean, it went kind of bad." Ah oh, man, I told him. I told him. Uh, he asked me why he. I thought he was killed, and I told him. I told him because he's a snitch. He's like, oh my god, what did you do? Every no, you're the only person saying that. Yeah, the government's denying it. They wouldn't deny it if if it was if he was. They would just say he was a CI. He's dead. There's no reason to deny it. They would just say, yeah, the government doesn't care. Right. And he's like, no, no. He said, well, now he he said this. He said that. So. Chris ends up seeing the lieutenant like a couple days later, and the lieutenant says, listen, this guy's asking us to pull all this guy's phone records. He wants to know who he's hanging out with. I'm going to have to tell him you're doing his legal work. Um, And he's like, oh, man. So Chris goes back and tells Juan, and he's like, Juan, listen to me. I'm fighting my own case. I can't end up in court and have them bring up this murder. You can't put me in a position where I'm, where the FBI is going to show up and, and, and ask me questions. Do you understand that? Now, he'd had that conversation with him. He's like, are you sure you had nothing to do with this? I had nothing to do with it, nothing to do with it. Okay. Maybe a, a month or so later, the lieutenant says, listen, I told him that he uh, you were doing his legal work and he wants your records. Like, now they're doing all kinds of stuff. He's like, he goes back to him. He's like, do you understand what's going to happen? He's like. This is what's happening. You know, they're going to look at all your paperwork, all the things that you're saying. You've given them motive. He's like, so if you, if, if, if you used your phone, if you, who, however, if you had anything to do with this, and he's like, he's like, so just did you? And he's like, yeah, okay, here's what happened. Oh, fuck. First, he says, he said it happened slowly over the course of several months. First, he said, I knew they were going to kill him. Like, I didn't order it, but I knew it. You know, he goes, okay, okay. He's like, and so he, he's like, what should I do? What should I do? And he says, listen, he said, what you should do is, what you should do is this. You should, um, 
you should get in front of this. He's like, I know you don't want to hear this, but what you need to do is you need to go and and um, call the homicide detective and tell him tell him that you know who you think. Give him the information so you don't end up getting charged. Right. He's like, no, nah, I can't do that. I can't do that. And keep in mind, they only wanted to prove Jose Pata existed because they wanted to be able to go back in front of the judge to say, look, I wasn't the kingpin. I wasn't the leader organizer. And get that one enhancement taken off, so he would go from twenty five years to fifteen years. He would have been out within. But a, now he's a got year a murder conspiracy. Now he may end up not only just doing your twenty five. You may have a murder inv- a, a murder charge. You may never get out of prison. Yeah, you don't have to have murdered the guy. You can have ordered the murder of the guy, and you'll get life. And you know, and that, that would fall under RICO. Mm. <laughs> I mean, the, the 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 it's extremely liberal. So uh, the point is. He's sitting in there, and he's already been charged, by the way, on a conspiracy for drugs. So it's not like we have to prove much, right? At this point, no, you don't, right? Yeah, and and he can't. What can he do? He can't even really mount, mount a defense. He can't get on the stand. Why? Because I'm already in prison for drugs. You're really just. You really are just helpless. So, um, so he starts explaining. He goes, "Do you understand? They're going to pull all your phone records. If there's any phone records that you have that are on your phone, that are on other inmates' phones, they're going to pull their phone records." So now he's like, because here's what happens. I should explain this. An inmate gets 300 minutes uh, a month. So I get 300 minutes a month I can use, right? Well, where I, you know, I, I can pick up the phone. I can call for 300 minutes. I can talk to you for 15 minutes at a time until it basically you know, adds up. That's about 20 phone calls, and, and that's it, and then, then it's over. Then I can't use it until the next month. Well, if Danny's in prison and he doesn't have any money, I can go to Danny and say, look, I'm going to pay you – 150 bucks to buy the minutes and I'll give you another 100 bucks and you let me use your 300 minutes. So now I've got 600 minutes. I could put all my phone numbers on his phone. You have to load your phone numbers. Yeah. I could put all my phone numbers. Well, that's the problem now, isn't it? If I'm calling the same phone numbers that are on the same phone. Right. Click, a- click. Uh, now I can listen to all his and they're going to realize right away it's Juan. So he's explaining to them, you know, they're going to cross-reference your phone. They're going to, and so now Juan's terrified. So like two days, like, like the next day or Two days later, he comes to him like he hadn't slept all night. And he comes to him and he goes, he goes, okay, I got to tell you something. He goes, what? He goes, I, I ordered the murdered. He goes, what? He goes, he goes I ordered the murdered. He goes, not only did I order the murder, remember the, the document, the DEA-6 that said Jose Pata was a snitch? Yeah. He had contacted his lawyer and had his lawyer send him that document. So now there's correspondent with that. Correspondence there. Proof uh, of that. Yeah. The lawyer sent it. He then took that document and he sent it to Mexico. He sent word to Mexico with the documents that Jose Pata was a snitch. Look, DEA document says he's. And if you read it, it, it sounds like it, but it's really not. Right. But so one that, plus he got me and all these other guys busted. He lost all of your money. And there's multiple other guys that are saying he, he snitched and he gave them their names. So they go. The consensus is that they went in front of Nacho and um, G. And they had a whole discussion about whether they should kill Pata, and they came to the conclusion that they, sh- they had to kill him. Juan was telling him, kill him, kill him, kill him. And they said, look, you know, this is a stand-up guy. He's in prison. He's doing 25 years. This guy's had all these losses. He's always blaming it on other people. It, I got a DEA letter here that says he's a snitch, and I got a bunch of other guys that say he's a snitch. It looks bad. It looks bad. They, 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 they have him murdered. Juan wanted him murdered. They got him murdered. So they send an assassin. He breaks into the house, waits in the garage. They come home. Oh, I love this too. He came home from church. 
So they'd just gone to church, came home with his two kids, takes him inside, shoots him in the head in front of his wife and two kids. So Chris is like, this is bad. He goes, you, you have to understand. He said, I cannot lie to the FBI. If, if, if they show up, if the DEA, if anybody shows up, he's like, I, I, I cannot be involved in this. He's like, I'm trying to fight my own case. Yeah. If my name shows up and then I get in front of court, the U.S. attorney will be like, your honor, he's involved in a homicide right now. And, you know, they'll say some fucked up shit like right. that just they to make, make you, look, you bad. look bad. Yeah. When I went to sentencing on my own case, let me just tell you this. When I went to sentencing on my own case, mm-hmm. I've never had a gun. I don't have a gun. There's no gun. My ex-girlfriend had a uh, had like a nine millimeter or something. She had a receipt. It had been stolen. She still had the receipt. I had been we had a burglary, right? And I uh, we had a bunch of stuff stolen. I actually f- was filling out the report to to um, the insurance company, and I put down look what it says. Did you have any um, any weapons? I put down that I had like an M4 machine gun or something. <laughs> I was trying to get as much money back as possible, right? Yeah. When I got busted. <clears throat> Once the, a con man, always a con Of course. Man. I, was, I was on the run right then. <laughs> so when they got that, the government got the report and they were interviewing me. They said, well, you had a machine or you had a machine gun and, and a and nine millimeter. I said, no, I didn't. They actually charged me with a, with a, with a, a gun charge. And I went, it's called a, a it's called um, con- constructive possession. That's when I ask you to buy a gun for me. Or you're holding a gun. You, we've got a gun. You're, we've got the gun on you, but really you're there to protect me. Mm-hmm. I, I can now get charged with your gun, even if it's in your name. Wow. So I sit there and I explain to her, no, 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 you don't understand. I've never had a gun. And I explain, she's, what about the 9 millimeter? So that, that, was a, that was my girlfriend's gun. Mm-hmm. That was Amanda's gun. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, and they charged me for it. I said, no, well, you have to drop that charge. I can't plead guilty to that charge. That's not what happened. I'm willing to accept the responsibility for what I did, but I'm, you're talking about a, a, a machine gun. I never had a machine gun. And the, the, the U.S. attorney was arguing with me, and I said, you understand, I'll go to trial on it. You can put Amanda on the stand. She's going to say that 9mm was hers and that I've never had a, a machine gun, never. I was just trying to get extra money out of the insurance company. <laughs> Trust me. And so she sat there. The U.S. attorney goes, okay, we'll <clears throat> drop the charge. No, Okay, I understand. I get it. When I went to sentencing – she said, Mr. Cox had a gun and a machine gun he wasn't licensed for. Fucking bitch. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is she allowed to do that? I mean, they're allowed to do whatever what, they want. Objection, your honor. Of course, my, my lawyer objected. <laughs> she already said it. It's yeah, too late. She, well, yeah, yeah the judge is like, and what's she going to do? I'm like, when I'm turning my, my lawyer, that's not true. That's not true. You know, your lawyer says, shh, be quiet. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. Like, we have bigger fish to fry. We don't, we don't want to argue that point. We don't want to what? I keep bringing it up. It's, it's not. I mean, you listen to your lawyer. I'm just like, right. oh. now I wasn't being charged with it anyway. But she used it to. Mm, it, as, it, was, it was inflammatory. Oh yeah, part of the, part of the theatrics. <clears throat> Absolutely. So the judge, of course, is like, oh, you think you're a badass walking around with a gun? I don't have a look at me. I don't have a gun. I'm not a gun-toting nut. I, I fill out paperwork. <laughs> I sign documents. I have an arts degree. Right. I'm. I'm <laughs> I have a fine I'm arts degree. Right. <laughs> So I got a paintbrush. Right. I'm not dangerous. <laughs> I mean, I hurt someone's feelings once. But my, my point is, is that so, so they've so Chris is saying, look, I can't be in front of the judge and, and, and they bring this up murder up. Right. So he's saying, so Juan, I'm telling you, you, you know, the, he's trying to tell him you need to contact the homicide detectives and tell them what happened. He's, he's like, he's like, but I ordered the murder. He goes, it doesn't matter that you ordered the murder. He goes, now more than ever, you need to go to them. And Juan's fear was that he had ordered the murder 
using another phone. And they're afraid they're going to get to that phone. Like once they figure out that I was using Danny's phone and they hear <clears throat> me talking about the murder on right. the phone prior to it being in the, you know, in the paper prior to, mm-hmm. all these, oh. I've got a real problem here. This guy ended up dead and I'm the only one screaming. He's a fucking informant. Right. So he's saying, Chris is saying all the more reason you get in front of it. Juan is saying, no, no, you don't understand. I need to get my time knocked off. I plan on getting, he's, I'm going to need all these guys. When I get out, I'm going to start, get back into the drug game. Wow, this guy's getting greedy. Yeah, he's nuts. He's thinking, one, we're going to win our motion. I'm going get to the, get the 10 years knocked off. And two, I'm going to get out and start doing everything over again. <sighs> Hell yeah. Because now I know what I'm doing. Now I'm smart about it. I'm going to be smart about it. Yeah. Um, so Chris is freaking out. Well, what happens is, no big deal, Chris actually worked for the lieutenant's office. He actually was a lieutenant's orderly. That just means you come in and you change the garbage cans and sweep up the place. So he, he was always being called over the intercom. So one day he gets called over the intercom, maybe a couple days later, a week later. You know, they say, hey, Chris Silva to the lieutenant's office. He goes, okay. So he he goes in there, goes into the office, and they go, hey, Chris, Chris you got to go to um, go to R&D. It's called a receiving departure. It's another area. So he goes over there, he opens the door, and then, you know, he said, and sometimes I had to go pick up stuff. He goes, so I walk in there, and they go, hey, Chris, uh, go in this room over there. There's a guy in here who wants to talk to you. He's like, oh, okay. He walks in. Boom. Guy stands up, or a woman stands up and says, hey, I'm FBI agent so-and-so. Homicide detective stands up. Boom, I'm homicide detective so-and-so. We understand that you're doing legal work for Juan Garcia. We'd like to talk to you about the murder of Jose Pata. He's like, holy shit. He goes, this compound is 80% cartel members. 80%. He goes, if I don't walk out of here in the next 30 seconds, I'm a dead man. He said, do you understand? Like, th- there's eyes everywhere. And they go, okay, well, real quick, did you know anything about the, we, we have some, do you know anything about the murder? He goes, he goes, I have handwritten notes regarding different murders. He said, I'm doing his legal work. He goes, he's confessed to me. He's confessed to, in, to me in front of another inmate. So he goes, so he's confessed. About the murder? About the murder. He talked to him, told him about it, but then another time he told he talked to him again with one of his buddies right there. He <clears throat> goes, he's confessed to me and another inmate. Um, he said, uh, he said, I know the phone numbers he was using. I know exactly how it all went down. I know everything. He said, but if you ever want to talk to me about it, he goes, you get me moved to Col- to the low security prison in Coleman, Florida, and get me a lawyer. And he walked out. Holy shit. Two weeks later, he's on a plane. To Coleman. On Con Air. Hell yeah, oh, with Nick Cage. fuck yeah. Goes in, gets a sign. He said a week later, he gets a letter in the mail from a lawyer. They appointed him, a, the government appointed him a lawyer. Then a week or two later, they were like a month or so later, he gets called in. The lawyer flies in from like Los Angeles or wherever he was from. And he says, okay. He said, this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. He said, they're actually paying me to negotiate with you on whether or not you'll cooperate. And he goes, okay. He said, well, look. He said, hold on. Chris says that to who? One? No, no, no. No, no. The lawyer says that to Chris. A lawyer flies in for for Chris. The government hired a lawyer for Chris. Okay, I got you. Just to negotiate whether he'll cooperate. Hmm. like Whether Chris will cooperate. Right. Basically, rat out Juan. Right. He can basically say, I had nothing to, uh, or I have nothing to say. Okay, cool. Lawyer goes back. Yeah, he's got nothing to say. Yeah. But so, he's now he's in Coleman, so he's good. Right. Yeah. Well, now he's in Coleman. He's a little bit more safe, but he's not so safe that it doesn't mean that, like, a family member on the street would right. get killed or a, mm-hmm. a, 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 a Coleman was like, <clears throat> was, like, college, right? I mean, it was, but, like, we talked about this. Like, 
people got stabbed. Like there were gang members, they got stabbed, they got cut. They yeah, got it's hurt. just not like the it, the feds in California or something. Exactly. Thank you. It wasn't as bad as the medium. It wasn't happening every week, but uh, two or three times, two or three times, um, uh, probably a year or every few months, guys are getting stabbed. There are beatings, but it, it's not like it sounds like it should be scary. But it has nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. If you two have a fight and you're in two other units and you have an issue, I hear about you getting stabbed. Right. But it ain't like somebody just got stabbed in front of you. Right. It's like, who? Actually, the medium, I've seen people stabbed. Uh-huh. But but still, it has nothing to do with me. Right, right. I know it sounds it sounds insensitive, but the truth is, it's like high school. Yeah. If you know these two idiots over here are, are, are hate each other and then you hear they get into a fight in the locker room, okay. Yeah. Well, you know, oh my gosh, you're in a place where people get stabbed. Well, yeah. Right. But, I was, it's prison. I, was, I was in science class. Yeah. Like, I don't have a problem with anybody. Right. Yeah. Um, the point is, is one, yes, he could get hurt. Okay. The, or the other thing, too, is he could easily get moved to a higher security prison. The crazy thing is, he got exactly what he asked for. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, they'll do anything for you if they want something from you. Here's the issue is that. But even the lawyer said he's never seen it. Yeah. He said, oh, yeah, I've never, I've never seen it. He goes, I've never seen it. Well, never seen him where they hire me just to talk to you about possibly cooperating mm. right so he says look i'll cooperate but you can't leave me in prison because as soon as juan gets his discovery in the case right he's gonna know i'm the one that told okay my i got family in california you know i've got you know this is this is this is even if they don't hurt me they, they could kill a family member yeah. and he's saying look i've already done like i'm um like i've done like whatever 20 20 some odd years on like a roughly a 30 year sentence. So with good time and whatever, you're getting had, close. He only had like four years left, four mm-hmm. or five years left. So he's like, look, he's like, all I need is I'll cooperate. If they indict him, as soon as the indictment happens, cause when the indictment happens, then you get your discovery. As soon as the indictment happens, you, you have to file, they have to file with a rule 35 and, and cut me loose. And, he, <clears throat> and he's like, I mean, I'm, I'm getting out anyway, but it's going to take you six months to do the indictment anyway. I mean, by that point, I'm basically just practically out yeah, anyway. Practically out anyway, and the lawyer goes, "That seems fair. I'll go back to him." So he goes back to him, and the government says, "Well, what exactly does he he know?" Um, and and so they they go back and forth, back and forth, and finally they say, "Okay, we we promise." They told his lawyer, "Tell him we promise him that we will reduce his sentence um, for the information." He goes, "So uh, tell us what's the information?" And the lawyer does what's called a proffer. He basically, for Chris, because he knows the information, he goes, okay, here's what happened. And he explains the whole thing. Then the, then the U.S. attorney stops returning his phone calls. Right. They got what they needed at that point. They got what they needed. Um, they could find the phone records and everything. Right. Right. But, so they could basically probably prove it without Chris. That well, And they may have thought that. But what ended up happening was they contacted, like— they then contacted the homicide detective. Well, the homicide detective they, – they also lied to the U.S. attorney. They told him the homicide detective was on his way to fly out there. It was all arranged. This is when it's happening. So Chris's attorney it proffers, thinking everything sounds great. Well, then they stop returning his phone call. He eventually contacts the homicide detective. They stop the returning the lawyer's phone the call? The lawyer's phone calls. Then the homicide detective – Isn't he getting paid? The U.S. attorney who works for the government stopped returning the phone calls from – from Chris's lawyer. Chris is still talking to the lawyer. 
Right, but Chris's lawyer is getting paid by these people, right? That aren't returning his phone calls. Right, yeah, but he's basically he's already, served his purpose. He's, he's being paid by the court, right? Not the U.S. Attorney's Office. Okay, it, it doesn't matter. It's the, not like a, a year salary, right? He got he, he, his, they he needed his, a couple things from him right. and paid him some money. Yeah, they gave him twelve grand. Now they got their information. Okay. But here's the thing: that his attorney even called the homicide detective because they had told him he was flying out. Homicide detective says, "What? No, we're not flying out. I haven't even talked to the guy." What are you talking about? I mean, just completely blatantly just lied to him. Set up a set up a whole environment that was conducive to tell me what happened. Right. So as that, keep in mind, they were also at this point they had not they had not prosecuted El Chapo. So they're probably thinking we can use this in El. We might be able to use this in El mm. Chapo's case because El Chapo would have had to have been one of the people to make that decision. So, um, what ends up happening is they got their information. The homicide detective said he called the U.S. Attorney's Office. The U.S. Attorney's Office said, "Yeah, we're not we're not interested in pursuing this." And he's like, "Yeah, but but this is a homicide that happened in California. We're interested in it. So I'd like to come go see this guy." He said, "Go go see him." He's like, "No, no, you have to give him the agreement that you said you give him." And the U.S. Attorney is like, "You know, eh, we're not going to give him any fucking agreement. Fuck him. No, let him do all his time." <clears throat> now here's the thing: Chris has been fighting his case the entire time he's been down. Now it let's say. Take me, for example. I go in. I cooperate. I plead guilty. I don't file anything. I'm doing everything I can to help you to try and reduce my sentence. So if the opportunity presents itself, most likely you're going to help me. In my case, though, keep in mind, I did help you. They still didn't. They, this happens all the time where you cooperate. They actually arrest someone. They indict them. They get all get everything. Mm-hmm. And guess what? They still don't give anything. Ah, fuck yeah, them. right. Fuck Danny. Right. Let him do all his time. There's no sort of like paperwork that there is. could bind they, them to that. Remember the Mueller case we talked about? Yeah. That remember I also told you that's one of the only times I've ever seen a document that was binding. Mm. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah, yeah, I remember you saying that. Tons of these things. They're never binding. Because okay. what they want to do is when they put you on the stand, let's say you cooperate and this guy and, and, and he gets busted. And then he goes to trial. They want to be able to put you on the stand sounds right. And have you <laughs> And and have Danny when 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 your defense attorney says, "Have you been promised anything?" They want Danny to say, "No." If Danny says, "Yeah, they did promise me. They promised me that," then it looks like they bought your right, right. Like you could be lying because whatever, right? Because you're trying to get him sent, to but, get something, yeah, right. Instead, if you say no, they go, "Well, are you hoping to get something?" Well, yeah. I mean, I'd like the government to do something. They never promised me anything. Mm. That's really why they do it. It, it looks good. And so can you explain? So it's basically bullshit. Can you explain briefly um, the difference between what what makes it binding and what makes it something like this example where it's just well, a promise it, that you're hoping they give you what they promised? It's just the wording. Like in my own case. It's the specific wording in the agreement. In my own case, they said um, if any of the information that Mr. Cox um, gives us leads to – the indictment or recovery of a substantial amount of funds, we will consider it consider it, substantial right. assistance. So basically the agreement just has to say, if Matt Cox does give us this information, period, we will reduce his sentence. We'll think about it. Yeah, right. No, right. we will. Right. So not, say, not contingent we'll on them. Consider it. Right, 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 right. I told you that. Yeah. I called back and said, yeah, they said this. They said they do it. And they said, right. They said, she goes, no, no. We said we'd consider it. And we did consider it. And it's not enough. So yeah. how do people not catch this? No, they do. Your lawyer will tell you. <clears throat> you understand they're not promised. 
the point is this. Look, Danny, you just got 20 years. Yeah. We need you to give information on John. And you go, okay, well, I want something binding. We're not giving you that, that. But if you give it to us and he gets arrested, we'll consider it substantial assistance and we might reduce your sentence as a result. Say, fuck it, go take it. People just take it. Of course. Because sure, what, what's the your, hope. What is your choice? Fuck you, I'll do my time. <laughs> okay. Right. I sleep like a baby at night. Yeah, they don't give a fuck. I care about you. Trust me, I don't care about John either. There's a thousand Johns waiting to be prosecuted. That yeah. doesn't change a thing for me. That's why it's so easy to wow. screw you over because everybody's willing to, to you're willing to do, take a risk, anything. Yeah. Any, you know what really, it, you know all that That's is? The worst hope. Thing. Yeah, it's hope. That's just hope. I, why? I'm cooperating. And for the next six months to a year, while he get, gets investigated, arrested, and sentenced, you have a year's worth of hope that you might get out. And I know that's it's a, it's horrible. It's horrible for people on the street to understand. But you, if you haven't been in that position, so you sinister. Don't know. Oh, it's, it's, it's so horrible. It's a horrible up, system. Man. So uh, back to Chris. So we don't. You know, we're already dragging. So we're dragging. We don't have the, enough yeah, time. Man. Well, the the the, the the comments are already going to go nuts. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, so, you know, stop getting off on tangents, Cox. Stay yeah. on topic. <laughs> okay. So what happens is his lawyer um, his lawyer was duped. You know, Chris was duped. His lawyer was duped. And the homicide detective is furious. The homicide detective wants to solve the case. He's saying to the U.S. attorney, give him something. Yeah. Write the agreement. Um, but they he won't. Now, he's not returning his his. his phone calls so that whole thing i so i ended up hearing this whole thing from chris he told me the whole story and i was like man you gotta let me write this up this is this is really the twists and turns Mm -hmm. what i really love is this is that even when chris said even when he was moved he was i mean literally up until like the day i was moved he was still saying pata was a snitch even though everything the u.s attorney presented Everything in the court, everything, including the homicide detector, everything across the board said Jose Pata was not a snitch. During the course of Chris's investigation, he found out that the person that connected everybody, the person that got everybody busted, the person that got the DEA, all of the evidence was Juan Garcia. Remember, the truck driver called him. He then called everybody. So therefore, they got warrant or they got wiretaps on every single phone call Mm -hmm. he was just he was just a a horrible drug dealer he's talking to people openly hey man they got that stuff they got the they got all the stuff they got the money 1.2 million they got everything oh okay oh my god okay well look i'll talk to you in person oh the fuck are you doing this guy was just reckless what are you doing remember i told you about uh uh (laughs) doug dodd where his buddies would like be like hey man can you get, get me three green apples and and, and 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 two blueberries. He's like, I mean, what are we farmers? Sounds like a yeah. conversation are we, I had with him. Are we grocers? Yeah. You know what are you doing? Yeah. Let me call Johnny Appleseed. Right. The DEA is not stupid. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you, you can't wait to meet me at, at at on the corner. You can't wait 20 minutes to drive over here. You're going to get us pinched and get us 15 years apiece. So the point is, is that um, the whole thing played out, and I ended up writing his story. Juan is the one that got everything busted. And what really upset Chris mostly is, and the other guy, what upset Chris most was like, he was like, look, you're, you're a drug dealer. You're, you're a drug dealer at that level. You got to know you could get killed. He goes, but what you, you don't go into someone's house and murder them in front of their, their wife and two kids. You know, they could have gotten to this guy some other way. Sure. And he's like, that, that, he was like, that bothers me. 
that really uh, that really bothered him. Not that the that no. the cartels are vicious; they'll kill you and your family and everything. Yeah. And he's like, but they really bothered me because Pata hadn't done anything wrong. This was a dispute over the price of of a couple of kilos of cocaine. This really had nothing to do with anybody being a snitch. So it, it's and then the the fact that Juan wouldn't admit it. He wouldn't, even though all the facts said that he wasn't a snitch, Juan couldn't accept the fact that he was the one that got everybody busted. He just couldn't accept it. His ego wouldn't let him. So the other thing, when I remember when I'm back to the very beginning of the podcast when I talked about <clears throat> calling the detective? Yeah. So the homicide detective. Wait, the detective that you called who said, you're Matt Cox. Yeah, the you're Matt man. Cox, the comment. So when he called, when the main detective, the one that wasn't home, was at home that day, he called me back. He's like, hey, Mr. Cox. And as we are talking, I'm telling him, look, why don't you call the U.S. attorney? He's like, I've called the U.S. attorney. He, he, you know, he won't do it. You know how this works. You know, he's like, he's like, you've been through the system. You know how this works. I've watched your podcast. I mean, he's telling me all this. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I mean, I'm sitting there thinking to it. Wish Danny was here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how do you record these things? I yeah, I wish um, I was there too, man. Hilarious. So I'm, I'm talking to him, and I said, uh, he, and he said, he said, listen. I said, well, I, and I go, so I guess, I go, so is it, is it? I go, well, why don't you just indict the guy anyway? Go see him. He's like, he said. I said, I mean, you've got two guys that are willing to say that he pled guilty. I said, plus you've got you've got all all the evidence. Plus, I said, and he sat there and he goes, he said, we actually have more than that. I go, well, what do you mean? He said, he goes, we actually have an, a third inmate that that Juan Garcia in an after after Chris was moved to Coleman, Juan was moved to another prison. At the other prison, another inmate um, contacted the homicide detectives and said that Juan Garcia also confessed to him. You have three inmates. Two are com- at completely separate prisons that he has admitted that he, he murdered this guy. And all of these guys are saying, look, just promise to get me out of prison. You can't leave me in prison to get killed. You know, or my family, you got to get me out of prison. They're saying, ah, fuck it. They're going to let a, a murderer go, go, uh, go free. And here's, you know, remember we we're talking about all the, the different evidence and stuff. I'll tell you right now, here's, this is. Hold on. So why don't they indict Juan? Um, because, well, because the, the guys are saying they're not going to talk unless you get me out of prison. You can't okay. here, here their fear is I testify i testify or i i but they already have it they, they already have what chris gave them chris right. chris told them that he confessed right he right but it, it was just it was very quickly it wasn't like a, a formal they come in they've got two people there they write it up they put it in evidence they indict him once they indict him and juan finds out these guys are subject to be murdered right now there's nothing and these guys are saying we won't we we won't cooperate we won't testify like okay. if you indict him, I'm not testifying. Got it. Got it. You know, so they're like, we, we can't get the U.S. attorney to, or the sorry, the state, the attorney to uh, the district attorney to to file a, a grand jury because these guys are saying they won't testify. So we're not going to indict this guy. These guys are saying they won't. It, it's, it's a whole thing. But here this is while they were talking. At one point, one actually wrote down. He's talking about Kuko, by the way. Remember his partner? Yeah. yeah, he actually writes down that that Kuko had 500 kilos were lost, and there were two murders. 
that Kuko had committed. Uh-huh. Here he says 500 kilos, and then he also says, does he say 850 ki- uh, or something like that? What was he, 200 kilos? What's the other kilos? 385. 385. That's over 1,300 kilos wow. and two murders. And that's, all that's in Juan's handwriting. So it's Let me see. Two badio? Uh, two bodies. Oh, bodies. Badios. Maybe that, maybe that's Spanish. It's my handwriting. I didn't write bodies. Oh. It's bodies. Did I spell it wrong? Or is just bad it handwriting? Like it looked like a bad handwriting. I thought it was, like a, just, span. I thought it was like a Spanish no, there's word. There's an I in there for sure. Maybe he... Oh, he spelled bodies B-O-D-I-E-S. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, what am I missing an I? Wow. So do you think it's do you think they want to indict him because he's already locked up? There's no point in they don't. Well, no, he'll he'll get he'll be getting out soon. Juan Juan will eventually be getting out. Remember, he's he's working on that twenty five piece, but at this point, he's I don't know how. Well, now he's got he's, he does have about five to five to ten more years. Five so, to ten more so years. They're not indicting him because they don't have people to testify. To really right, prove right. their they, case. Right, because they simply won't let these guys out of jail for uh, two years early, three years early. So they're going to let this guy out instead. This guy's going to get out. He he killed somebody in front of two kids. What's the point? I don't understand. What's the point? Why? Is it just like, is it just like lost in the bureauc- bureaucracy of what I know the, is the federal hom- government and they, right, they just the don't homicide, care? Well, the homicide detective's furious. Right. He's yeah. very upset. He's like, I'm, I'm, I want this salt. Listen, hom- if you're a homicide detective... You know, you've reached that's like the the pinnacle like that's the top spot homicide detectives are passionate mm, they yeah. don't care about anything i don't care about drugs i don't For care sure. about they care about the worst possible crime that's ever been committed on, on, on that can be committed on a, on a human being which is murder right and, and they so want to solve it they want to solve it this guy's saying i he said i want to solve it he's like this guy was murdered in front of uh, in front of his wife and two kids yeah i want this solved he's like i can't do it by myself I either need these guys to say they will testify, in which case now they might get murdered, or I need, and they'll only say that if the U.S. attorney says we'll cut you loose. Yeah, that's it. And and the U.S. attorney could who probably, is the U.S. attorney? I have it in here. I don't know. I, I don't know his name. I, I have it in the file in the thing. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't make sense. Who is the U.S.? I mean, it's probably one of a million fucking cases they're dealing with, you know? And if they don't got 100% fucking evidence. Mm. U.S. Attorney's Office. Uh, this is his lawyer. Yeah, all of this is on the... Uh, is it, is it like the current sitting U.S. Attorney right now at this moment? Yeah, but this is in like this is in like Chicago or California or wherever. Oh, no, no, this is somewhere in, uh, I think... I don't know, man. Uh, I don't, don't, Dan. I can't track this down. This is you're killing me. I just oh. think it'd be good to know for people listening. I got assistant. So there's how many U.S. attorneys are there? Department of uh, Justice. Steve Meyer. Is that his name? Steve Meyer. The U.S. attorney named Stephen Meyer. Yeah, Stephen Meyer. Meyer. Yep. Steve's up to something. Meyer. 
Stephen J. Meyer, sole practitioner dedicated exclusively to the representation of individual citizens accused of crimes in the state. Well, wait in a federal minute. court. He was recently named best that lawyer. That sounds like a lawyer. Yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a defense attorney. That's okay. not a U.S. attorney. Department of Justice. Yeah. Oh, okay. Department of Justice. US yeah. Stephen J. Meyer. Which, what, what district is it? District of California. Oh, okay. Cool. I was right. California. Well, I mean, the murder was in California. Right. Well, the drug case... I think the drug case was connected also out of Chicago. When I've been in Chicago and and I no, it might have just been LA. His it says the North District of California. Right. Yeah. Hmm. What the fuck's this guy? I up know to? There, there's definitely a connection. What's Steven a, Meyer up to? There's a connection between that and Chicago. I know that. So how much time does Juan have left? You said he's got like five or ten. Five or ten. What's Chris got left? He's probably only got a couple. About three, four. About about three more years. Yeah. Is he still pursuing any of this stuff? or I mean, he's kind of over he, it he, that I, that's basically why he let me do the podcast is because yeah. he's kind of like. Is he still in Coleman? It's over. It's not going to happen. At least, they let him, at least they let him stay in Coleman. If anything, he got that. Yeah. I mean, he'd rather be in Coleman than in. Uh, listen, a, 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 a low security prison in California is it's like a medium here. Yeah. Probably even worse than the medium here. Yeah. yeah. I mean these guys it's like 80% cartel members and you know they're just they're, ruthless. They're all, ruthless. There's a whole bunch of money and it's all about pride and respect and and that can yeah. go bad real real quick. Especially when half these guys are bipolar. I mean you could you can glance at me and think, he's, "Oh, you disrespected me?" <laughs> just because mentally you're just off. Yeah. I've seen that happen in the in the medium over and over again. I've seen a guy got stabbed um, because he had been with this guy, Selly, for like two years. And he said, one day I walked out of the, the room and I walked by him. And he said, I didn't acknowledge him and go, what's up? He goes, we always go, what's up, what's up? He goes, I happened to be doing something. I walked right by him and I just kind of glanced at him and kept walking. So throughout the day, his Selly was bipolar. He turned that into a completely disrespectful he, he, he disrespected me. He didn't acknowledge me. He didn't this. He didn't. And these guys were in the pen. And he said, he said, by the end of that day, he said, I went into the TV room. His celly walks up behind him with a fucking, uh, with a knife and stabs him. Jesus. Because in his mind. Yeah. Is that what, that, <laughs> what is that, is, is that what that's called? Bipolar? <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you take shit like that, like way too literal. Well, I mean, you're just you're just extremes. You're either low, like you're totally depressed, or you, and you're mm. or angry and furious. Or you and take nothing to make it something crazy. Right. Yeah. right. Or turn you, nothing into something yeah. insane. Or you go <sighs> ballistic and you're yeah. think you're, or, or you know, and, and by, it could be you could be furious for no reason, or you could be ecstatic for no reason. Like this is amazing. This is and you're like, bro, it's chocolate milk. They're giving uh, us chocolate milk today. Man, it's so much. I love chocolate. Milk. This is the best thing ever. Is it? Yeah, Damn. you know, or you could go completely the opposite direction. I mean, it's just, uh, it's just you, the problem is, is you're either at one pole or the other, right? You know, that's the problem. You're mm. constantly shifting. It's like um, Amadeo is a rapid shifting, a rapid cycling bipolar. He does it constantly, up down, up mm. down, up down. I mean, we're not talking about like for hours. Like there are some bipolars will be up for days, and then they'll or they'll be depressed and they can't get out of bed for a week. You know, but. But rapid by all day long, up, down, up, down, up, down. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Good crazy people, man. I'm telling you. But uh, Amadeo can drink. 
he'll drink Pepsi like caffeine, and it'll keep him maintaining mm. that high yeah. level. So he doesn't cycle constantly. Yeah. He gets up and it's but then it eventually comes down. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> what a hor- how horrible! What a horrible. It sounds situation. exhausting. No, we're talking about uh, mental disorders. I wanted to tell you, or I wanted to talk about. I had your buddy on the podcast last week. Um, right, right, right. Mark, Mark Leda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He fucking uh, super, super interesting. Did passionate you, guy. Did you run that? Did you play that yet? No, I haven't published it yet. It's getting published this Sunday. Did he talk to you about where he does his things, his uh, podcast? Yeah, he told me it's on Skid Row. He also has a studio in New York. You, you've, you've never been here, bro. You've never. There's no Skid Row like that. Like in because I went there. You know, I went there. He did mine. Yeah. There's nothing in Florida that's like this. What do you mean? It's it's like uh it's it's like a um what you would think of as a um um like like a refugee refugee camp like the, the the street is lined with and i don't mean like i don't mean like a block we mean blocks and blocks and blocks and blocks in, in la which is just lined with like um uh tents and boxes and people built houses out of boxes and they live in them and they're up against the chain link fences and and there's just people everywhere there's sleeping bags everywhere and they're sleeping and they're shitting on the street and it's there are hookers out there and there are drug addicts and they're, they're shooting drugs and they're yelling and screaming and, and it's nothing sirens constantly hear sirens and that's why when i had seen his videos and i actually had watched the videos you could hear sirens yeah in the background and I always thought, because he'd be interviewing like a prostitute or a heroin addict, I always thought, oh, this guy, he added He's the sirens. Him in. He, he dubbed it. Yeah. He didn't. <laughs> you could hear him outside. So what was it like when you were walking up to his studio? Like, he, he obviously gave you the address, right? You met him there? No, he gave me the address. He picked me up because he was like, um, he goes, it's going to probably, he goes, it might be hard to get a, a an Uber here. He goes, let me, um, and I didn't understand. Yeah. Okay. Oh, you could pick me up? That's nice. Yeah, because Uber's probably not going to drop you off. Over there. He had to drive you through a zombie apocalypse to right. get to his studio. So when he, he pulls up, as soon as he gets out, they're all asking him for money. No, you know what's so funny? This is something I noticed. Nobody ever asked me for money. None of the, none of the homeless. I've been to San Francisco. I've been to, there was like five lawyers I went to San Francisco with. Uh, me and one other um, lawyer, nobody ever asked us for money. The other guys, they they just bombarded them asking for money. Nobody ever asked me for money. Huh? It was just weird. It was like that is weird. The other guys were like, "How come they're always bugging me? They're always this." I mean, you're standing right here, you know. And I don't know why. Yeah, because they're like, "Look at this guy. He's coming to steal our soap. Don't even look at this guy." <laughs> yeah, I should like listen. Here, I'll, I'll make a funny. deal. You want to make a hundred bucks? Mm. <laughs> um, but yeah, as soon as I got out, they started just hammering him, hammering him. I'm just standing there, nobody saying anything to me. And then we walk in, we go in the thing, he locks up and uh, puts the drapes down and everything. I sit on the stool and I do a whole uh, a whole podcast with him for like an hour and a half, two hours. I think it's got like 200,000, over, I think it's coming up on 300,000 subscribers or something like that. Views? Or views, views, subscribers. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That's yeah, wild. It's, it's uh, hold on. So, soft, white, underbelly, cocks. <laughs> that's how you search it you just talk to the phone <laughs> there it is it's got three hundred and three hundred fifteen thousand views wow. two months ago wow oh yeah so, how did you hear about him i look horrible how did you how did you find out about that guy how did you i look better than this i think i feel like how yeah um i think it's a good portrait real no way <laughs> are you st- let me see it let me see it 
Horrible. They should have had Luke design it. Oh yeah, he should. He tries to make you look. Luke would have put a big he tried, head he, on he, me. He, uh, <laughs> the lighting and probably some filters that he uses really accentuates the wrinkles and the details in your face. Thank you, Danny. Thank you. It really undermines your plastic surgery. <laughs> I am fifty-one. <laughs> By yeah, the way. my lighting makes you look beautiful. I think that, it, it, I do look. Uh, listen, I <clears throat> I was very happy when I remember I came back and I finally you came up and I saw it. I was like, oh, I look good. Hell yeah! <laughs> Danny told me he's like, no, you'll, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Um, no. How did you find out about that guy? I don't know how is his. Oh. Michael Frazisky, for, you, know, for, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, or is it? Yeah, Wazowski. No, for, it's a, he's a famous mobster. He like, made the most money out of any mobster ever. Mm-hmm. He ran a, a gasoline scam or something. Huh. He's got a, a Franziski or something like that. Yeah. Franchese? Is that it? He he, the that guy who was in the mafia? Yeah. I just said who, that. who was Michael part Franziski of like, they mobster. did like Goodfellas. He was like part of that story and shit. The guy lives in Florida? Uh, uh, Francisi? Francisi. Yeah. Yeah. Vlad does interviews with him all the time. Really? Oh, all the time. He's got his He's own channel He's done multiple. Now. Well, Vlad chops him up one interview into like yeah. t- 10 videos, but... Vlad's horrible. Yeah, he does Vlad. Don't say that. That's so rude. What? That he's horrible? Yeah. That's mean. What do you mean? Bro, I'm, I'm not being mean. I'm just... I, I did Why it. is he I've horrible? Done... We've talked about this before, haven't we? Because he didn't... He doesn't know the story. He he was... He big-shotted he, Matt in the interview. He's not there. Oh, yeah. You're right. He's on TV. He's on a TV. And, and he's asking me questions. And he's like, uh, oh, okay. So, and, and, and uh, <laughs> then you got arrested. And then he got up and walked away. Yeah, so, I'm staring at a couch. Do I... What yeah. happened? Do I keep telling <laughs> <you>? <laughs> Yeah, I, it's very awkward. Yeah, it was like, well... Now, now who am I talking to? Mm. It was just, I mean, he did it like two or three times and he was like, no, just keep talking and got up and walked off. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's whack. Back to what we were talking about, Mark Leda. He was down here and that's he, him. That's Michael. Is yeah, it Michael? That's, that's a Vlad uh, thumbnail right Is there. It? Yeah. That's funny. He's got, um, he but, just started his own channel. He's, but um, wait, 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 hold on. Yeah, he was part of like he was in the movie Godfellas. They portrayed him in God or Goodfellas. His two hundred ninety three thousand subscribers. Wow. He just started Who Vlad? Oh, Damn, Mike. He's Mike. big time. Yeah, that's crazy, man. He does like Mobster Monday. Yeah, and he, he's got Monday. like a whole. He does thing. a lot of shit. Damn. He's he's famous in the mob world for sure. Yeah, crime is like a big thing on the internet. True crime. It's a big big niche. Um, anyways, Mark Leda, he was down here for a week. Every single day, filming interviews with pedophiles and sex offenders. The uh, in the um, and he's like, "Did you?" He's like, "Have you ever heard about this village over here? It's a, it's a. I forgot what he said. It was. It's a park. It's a, it's a trailer park. Yeah, where all the fucking where all the pedos live. It's full of pedophiles. Yeah. And I was like, I didn't even know that was a fucking thing. I, yeah, Matt was trying to fucking you, put money in that. on one. Mike I told was telling. I'm like, that's what Matt was telling us about a yeah, couple weeks ago. You that. I didn't know. I thought that you were like. Innovating that. Uh, that no, was apparently no. a thing is where no. they keep pedophiles. They keep people who have been convicted of sex well, crimes. It, it, they, they're not even being kept there. They're voluntarily, they're voluntarily living, there. living there because they just have nowhere to live. It's right. like no one I'm, wants them to live in their right. neighborhood. If you, you make, can't you can't rent a normal place if you have no. they do background check on you if you want to rent in oh, an yeah. apartment somewhere. You can't well, be near schools or what, nothing. Right. So what happens is, you know, obviously the window of where they can live gets smaller and smaller. And then those few places you go, okay, well yeah, you could live here. Yeah, but they won't rent to me. Yeah. Because then they go, you know, they pull your background or they do something. Right. They go, like, oh, hell no. You're fucking pedophile. Right. I mean, no, right. You can't live here. I'm Fuck no. Like, so, so they, they advertise somewhere. I don't know how the fuck. How do they get their. their I'm sure clothes? the word gets around. Oh, I, think it's I word was of just mouth. thinking that. It's all yeah. word of mouth. Yeah. The um, federal um, 
uh, probation officers and state probation officers oh, will, will yeah. easily try and direct them anywhere they know somebody will. Yeah, this them. is where all the pedos wow. are living. That's a real. That's that's a niche in real estate. You can open. Fucking we might have to call Ben. Pedophile, pedophile. Uh, you imagine housing. Pitch, I would love to go go to Ben Mala and pitch that idea. Wow, that, hilarious! That would, that would, would that be amazing. Be? I can't believe I've never heard of that though. I mean, I can't believe because I'm, nobody wants to do it. Who yeah. would do it? Nobody wants to do it. Look, and here's here's what was really kills me is that. The amount of money in it is is huge because you know these guys have nowhere to go, so they're, they're going to pay their rent. Yeah, you know, and and the 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 issue is that people are so passionate about not dealing with them and not helping them in any way that they don't want them to live here, they don't want to live here, they they don't want to invest. So you're never going to have like like MI homes or post. You know, post apartments or or nobody's going to come in and McDonaldize that and turn it into something because they just don't want. Yeah, it's not a good look. Most right. people don't want to be associated, don't be associated with, with it. Even though the, the truth is by not giving them a place to stay, you're causing them more anxiety and thereby causing them a, right. more of a chance to re, to reoffend. Re- 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 mm-hmm. Yeah. So because, you know. Their their anxiety levels up, their stress level is up, yeah. and you're not monitoring them, so you I don't think, know where they're at. Yeah, I think so Mark actually told me that out of all uh, released all, all, all convicted felons or whatever, sex offenders are the one type of criminal who is least likely to reoffend. Right. Well, everybody says it's actually murders are the least murders. Okay. Um, but then it, it's like it's like a pedophiles. Now the, people will tell you, oh, they always reoffend. They actually do reoffend. But they don't reoffend for sex crimes. They end up reoffending for things like theft mm, or really bit, drugs, right? Oh. Drugs. Because here's what happens: is Life you know, I, you can't get a job, right? You can't, so they're not out doing you know touching a kid necessarily. But they commit another crime. Why? Because I can't get a job because I have no place to yeah, live. They're so I'm a victim of the system now. So right they, now, right. And nobody and that, has another problem. For them. You can't. You know. Another thing sure. Mark was explaining to me is that like there's so much nuance in the term sex offender. Right. Like he said, a lot of them are just people that were in the club and were wasted, met the wrong girl, and didn't know their age or whatever. And the next morning, she was like, "Oh my god!" and fucking called the cops on this guy, and now he's a sex offender for life and can't rent an apartment. Yeah. They're not all t- child molesters. Right. Yeah. Even Definitely. though a lot of them do a lot of fucked up shit. Oh, there's some there's some super fucking weirdos, bro. But it's just super insane weird. that this guy's this guy's flying across the country on his own dime. He also said none of his videos are monetized. Well, it, he I think his channel's monetized, but nobody wants to who who wants right. to if you're a business. Hey, no. go ahead and put me on the right. on that channel with that prostitute. Right. Hey, you yeah. know the guy that that talked to that heroin addict the other day right. and that pimp. Definitely. Get Let's me put on a Coca Cola yeah, ad yeah, yeah, on that yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. not happening. No. So it's funny, but that's what's interesting about it is that he still is throwing so much of his time and money into these videos, flying across the country to interview whatever. What do you, he interviewed? Probably twenty sex offenders down here, like you know, right. a but mile that, from here. But that's not all. He did. I mean, that 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 makes it sound really fucked up. He, I mean, most it is of, really fucked up. Right. But I'm no, I'm saying most of his stuff is like. People on Skid Row, like there's there's right, prostitutes, right, right, right. There's, for sure. There's heroin addicts, there's drug dealers, mm-hmm. there's pimps, there's meth addicts. So mm-hmm. he's going after a segment of society that that kind of the same thing you told me when when we first met. Remember, we we and I was like, why are you, why do you do this? Why do you do the podcast? And you go, I 
there's just a whole segment of society that doesn't have a voice. And I thought it'd be cool to set up a for a format where people had like a voice. And then you start telling me about uh, deckhands. Mm-hmm. You were like, like I, I do this thing called deckhand. This was like over a year ago. Yeah, I do this thing called deckhands, and you're like, and I'm like, yeah, but they're all like drug addicts and stuff. And you were like, well, yeah, but a lot of them are endearing. Like. You yeah. seemed, I remember you seemed at that moment, I remember when I left there, I was like, he's really passionate about that. He's really passionate. You're not, now I know you're just kind of a dickhead. But yeah. at that point, I was very impressed with you for uh, about two months. Uh-huh. And then I got to know you. Yeah. And then, um, you know, then I, uh, then I realized this guy, this fucker. He, he had me with the, with yeah. the deck hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Danny. <laughs> Sales pitch work. Typical. Right. It was, it was great. You got me for another podcast. No, it, it is. What I did with deck hands is almost the same thing right. that he's yeah. doing, minus all the music and the editing. He just does like a, raw uncut his, interview he, he's his is yeah i was gonna say he his, he's actually um, making me want to do more deckhands style things just by like getting to know him and watching his content it's like really inspired me i think to go back and do some of that stuff yeah his uh and and he's the cinematography is is really but they're too. really yeah yeah but it's no danny jones well, I, film. I don't i don't know i mean i don't know what it takes to do that but i he's like he's using a the studio look. with lighting he's got different camera angles it's got a very good look yeah, yeah very I cinematic like look. looking very but it's it's they're on tripods right all the cameras are just locked off oh, on tripods oh, there's yeah, not like anything moving or he actually one of the the one uh, on the ground yeah he actually like laid on the ground like i mean he's like it's off the ground like this and it's shooting up at you and he's laying on the ground looking the whole time going what about this the whole time he was laying on on really yeah hmm. and the place is disgusting he says he uses it as, as a storage unit to store like furniture yeah, and there's stuff. stuff there's tons of but he's got the you can't see all that because he's got these massive drapes and those those drapes are well they're not drapes what are they called curtains are they oh i thought there was some kind of like the backdrop Short the cloth backdrop. or whatever black like backdrop. yeah 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 but they're super thick and they go up like 20 feet i mean they're massive is that how tall the ceiling is in that room yeah wow and everything's concrete I mean, it's it's a storage unit. It's like, it's um, yeah. But it's it's, and I remember he he actually had to run around the place while he was like, you know, listening and listening. He, he goes, just give me a couple. I'll find out. And I was like, what is it? There was a cricket that was in there somewhere, and he was trying to track down the cricket. Really, you think he would just like let it roll? Like that? I couldn't. Yeah, you don't mind the guys in the right. background screaming on the outside. You know, yelling at each other over a crack rocket or the mm-hmm. the sirens going by, but the crickets bothering you. Yeah, that's weird, right? Yeah, hmm. he's a, a very nice guy, very passionate. You know, yeah, a lot I of love those that guy, a lot of those people, um, he actually uh, set up like Patreon accounts and stuff for them to try and help them. Oh like, yeah, he told me about one of the prostitutes. He yeah. just tried to help her, Can't try and get her off the street, trying this, trying that. It was like. Yeah, I said he, he's, he he's, like reduced everything. All the, the he says he's done over like twenty five hundred interviews with these drug addicts and prostitutes and pimps and all these crazy people. Did he tell you about the girlfriend? I no. think I told you about the girlfriend. He broke up with a girlfriend because she she was saying you have to start you have to cut back on the interviews and start spending more time with. I think it was. Like, a, oh, he told me the story about his first wife. I don't know. No, this was, was a girlfriend because okay. this was another one. Okay. Right, well, I don't, I don't know about the wife. This was one that had just happened yeah. when I was there, and she was like, "Look, just, just drop back a little bit so you can spend more time with me." And he said, can't I, I, can't, "I can't do that." And she's like, "Well, then we're gonna have to stop seeing each other." He's like, "Okay," and she's like, "He's no, like he's maniacally is, he's a man- maniac with how obsessed he is. He's with obsessed work. with it. He, he it's all he does right. every day, all day from sunup to sundown." But here's the thing about that, you know. But 
but like the world needs guys like that. Does that make sense? Like I'm not going to do it. No, me it's neither. not going to be me. Me neither. But the world needs somebody to join the Peace Corps. I'm not doing it. <laughs> yeah. But thank, but God bless those people. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? But it ain't going to be me. No. But I want those people to be there. Yeah. So, and he's that guy. He says that out of the 2,500 plus interviews that he's done, he said the one common denominator with all of them is just fucked up childhoods. Just like loser sure. parents. Sure, sure. You know, he told me after he interviewed me, he goes, after he interviewed me, he said, yeah, I'm definitely going to use this. I'm definitely using this. This is amazing. This is a great interview. Oh, yeah, he throws a lot of them away. Yeah, and I looked at him and I went, were you not, was that possible you weren't going to use it? And he goes, and he looked at me and he goes, oh, yeah, he said, I, I, I he said, I'll interview five, six, seven people and maybe use one. And I went, he goes, yeah, I didn't want to mention that in case I didn't, wasn't going to use it, but yours was great. And I was thinking, fuck. The hell? And the amount of money that he pays a lot of people too. Like a lot of people, yeah. like he told me, like I, so, you told some me of that, these yeah. sex offenders, like they don't want to tell, they don't want to air out that, like the, how they touch their kids when they were. Oh man. Bro. And he get these, gets these people to like full on confess. Like, well, I mean, I can see, this is what's so funny is, I can see saying something in this format that you wouldn't say in everyday life because at that level, you're never going to get this opportunity again. Like your life is that just down to nothing. Yeah. And if someone is finally saying to you, despite everything you've done, your story is important and I want to document it. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Do you try and spin it? There's no way to spin you're a heroin addict because I'm. Yeah. You're gonna. You're right. only here because you're, or you're a sex offender. Right. You're gonna have to say that. Yeah. And so that you know, it's I guess meaningful. Some, it's right. meaningful for them. Some for them for some of them. I'm sure they just fucking. They just finally admit to stuff they probably did not been denying their entire life. Yeah. Right. Plus they're getting a fat wad of cash. Yeah, they are. Yeah. I didn't get any. <clears throat> yeah. Right. Um. Yeah, yeah. He's an amazing guy. Yeah. Super cool guy. I can't See, wait I, to. What? what about the CIA guy? I got a CIA guy. Did you call him? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's going to come on the podcast. Nice. He's coming on. He's so cool. He lives in St. Pete. He should be. I don't know what he's ever done. Probably probably he's never done. He's probably just sat behind a desk his whole life. No, I'm just joking. He's actually a, a he's actually a, like a field guy or was a field guy. Yeah. But you look at this guy, you'll see. When you look at him, he looks like what you think a CIA agent should look like. Really? He could be. He could be anything. He could be white. He could be. Um, uh, Middle Eastern. He could be Spanish. He could be Italian. Wait till you see this guy. Hmm. You're going to be like, I don't know what nationality you are. I think he speaks a bunch of different languages. He's he's an extremely articulate, good looking. I mean, I'm telling you, he he get all the secrets out of you. Hell yeah, it's so funny. Out of all the people Matt tries to introduce me to, all these people, he always finds a way to throw in the fact that. This person is good looking. Oh man, this dude is this important. dude is so good looking. It's th- what, you need to have him on the podcast because he's fucking good what are you, looking. What are you doing? I'm trying to help you out. He's it's a, it's a, never said beautiful. <laughs> Throw beautiful. In the, I, just, I reached out and I just touched his face. <laughs> he, has, uh, he has soft skin. <laughs> there was a chick in, in, in Coleman, the in commissary. They called her Commissary Barbie because she was this blonde and she sat behind the window. She's a mean as a snake. She'd always be yelling, "Get someone!" No, I'm not doing that. Can you return this? I don't want this ice cream. That's all you get. You know. I mean, she yelled. And I remember this one inmate one time. She was yelling, and he goes, "Shh!" She put the thing right up against the plastic. Yeah, yeah. You can't touch her. She's behind plastic. He's, 
Shh. And she goes, get him out of here. <laughs> we were dying laughing. Uh, you had to be there, bro. So funny. Oh, my God. Yo, what were you and Boziak doing? You sent me all that. The, can you talk about you? Were, you sent me the bunch of videos of you were hanging out in some Vaguely. sort of mansion in Jacksonville. It's pretty cool, bro. It's pretty. Cool. Matt's like living on the high horse right he now. Is, it, it's it's um. He just, deserves it. Just that there's a, a production company that actually contacted me. I don't want to get specific. I was told not to get specific on certain things. So, so it, there's a there was a, a a production company that contacted me on another story. Um, once we, we reviewed the story, um, the producer came back and she was like, okay, you know, what, what are the chances I can get this guy on, on film? And I was like, you, you can't, that's what, that was a big problem was I was like, look, you understand you're a documentary company or doc, you're doing documentaries. I said, you understand you can't get this guy on film. He's in federal prison. She's oh no, I can, I can get in there and get him. I said, no, you can't. No, no. Well, we've done it before. I said, no, you've done it in the state. Who are they trying to get? Um, uh, uh, Donovan, uh, Davis. Remember, uh, the yeah. gap. Yeah. So they were looking into it, and she was she was telling me, "No, I can." I said, "No, you cannot. You cannot get fe- prison. You cannot get a a video camera into a federal prison." Mm-hmm. And so once she looked into it, she came back. She goes, "You know what? You're right. I can't." <laughs> she goes, "She goes. I went to your website though, and I looked at some of the other stories. What do you think like the top three, four best stories are?" And I I named off a few of them. I said, "But one of the best ones I think is is either Frank Amadeo. I said, which you may or may not get his cooperation. I said, or John Boziak. I said, which is a story called Bent." which is on my website, Matt Cox Inside True Crime. It'll be linked in the description. Um, so I told her, and so she went and she listened to that, and she's like, this story is amazing. She sent it to her director. I'm not linking shit in the description. Then she contacted. <laughs> then she, she ordered his book. Then the, she read the book. Then she came back, and she said, can I get, talk to Boziak? I said, sure, here's his information. She contacts Boziak. <clears throat> Whatever, like a month or two later, Boziak calls me and says, you know, I've talked to these people two or three times. And I was like, Really? He goes, yeah, they want to like do all this kind of stuff. I think you should call them because I have, an, I have a contract with him. You know, we have, I, I have his, I own his, the intellectual property uh, for his story. Yeah. <clears throat> so you're not talking to Boziak unless I'm involved. So I ended up calling her and saying, hey, look, you know, this and this. She's like, oh, okay, yeah, well, um, well, I'm sure John, John will keep you informed. And I well, was like, welcome to Hollywood, Matt yeah. Cox. Yeah. Well, I was like, no, no, you don't understand. I said, I have a contract with him. I, I own the intellectual property for the story. So go ahead. Have and, your lawyer call our, our lawyer. Right. And she was like, oh, wait a sec. I okay. Of course I didn't know. I wasn't trying to do anything. No. Um, right. She was like, she's like, oh, okay. So um, she's like, oh, here's what's happening. So they were put together a whole thing. And she's super cool too. I'm not, I'm just fucking around uh, mostly kind of, um, <laughs> but, um, so what happened was they, they ended up renting, like they loved the idea, right. Of doing a, um, like a one hour, um, see, um, what do they call it? They called it a, a pilot. A, what? No. Sizzle. No, they did a sizzle. So they did a, that's what they did at the mansion. They rented this mansion. They flew in all their crew their crew read the book. They they bought the book and ordered the book and had all the crew that they typically work with. And then they asked the crew to donate their time. And they said, look, if we end up selling it, we'll hire you. But as of right now, we need you to just donate your time. They all donated their time. Wow. Which I thought was a mate. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, you, 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 you can take a page out of their book. Man. I'm, I'm telling <laughs> So they, they all come down. Inside true crime. They all come down, and they they shoot the video for five days. Uh, they shoot the sizzle reel, and they're going to cut all that up. But they basically got the bulk of the um, of the interviews done. 
uh, for him. So they would turn that into, and they'll still have to interview him some more, but they basically would turn that into um, like a, a one hour, 50, I think he said 52 minute uh, docu documentary, but like a docudrama where they'll do reenactments. Yeah. yeah. And um, it was just super cool. What was super cool about it was this, was that that guy, like the vision that he had for the whole thing <laughs> was so it was like everything that I would want it to be that I couldn't even imagine. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's kind of like how like, like, like Steve Jobs, like I didn't know I couldn't live without an iPhone until Steve Jobs told me I could, you know, it just showed me why I couldn't. I mean, that's how I, like I watched that video. I was like, that is everything I wanted it to be. And 10 times more than I could have imagined. I mean, just the guy is, the guy has a great vision for the whole thing and it's so over the top gaudy, but it looks amazing. He looks great. Can I see it? Well, I mean, I, as soon as they sent it to me, I oh, only I got to it. see little bits and pieces. Like, they oh. were working on it and the music and everything about it was cool. They just showed you, like, on the laptop or whatever. Yeah, he showed me. On, <laughs> like, they have they had those red cameras. Yeah. Um, so they had the – and they're, like, 40000 50000 a piece. They had, like, three of those. They have scaffolding. It was amazing. So they're putting the whole thing together. And then if they end up eventually, you know, selling it to a streaming uh, network of some sort, then they'll turn it into, like, a one-hour thing with reenactments and everything. So it was just super cool, and I was up there and, and – uh, I'm an executive producer. I don't know what that means. Hell yeah. I'm sure your contract looks a lot like the contract that the federal government <laughs> gave your lawyer friend. <laughs> we'll consider. Yeah, we'll, if we consider get, we'll consider it. We'll consider it. some money. If, if we sell it to Netflix, we'll yeah. consider it. So they, We'll uh, have Deveroli consider your payment. Yeah, trust yeah. me, that's what a lot of the Hollywood contracts look like. Yeah, they, they were. it was pretty cool. I mean, they, it, was, it was a cool experience. I was glad I went, and I, I'm hoping they do something with it. And John was there, and John, you know, he, he was... He, loving it he was loving it but he said some like he says crazy shit like i mean in the in the they would ask him the same questions over and over and over and then it, he eventually would get would say something just nutty and they'd be like that's perfect <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah like, they finally get him to say some juicy <laughs> something shit. nuts yeah yeah um but yeah it was it cool so super cool i find it so funny though there's like hey cox what's your top three stories that people won't click on we want to try to sell some netflix shows we want to try to sell some shows to fucking star or whatever that's the process is so. Oh, it's it's, yeah, it, it's you know, the, and that's not the first. Obviously, you know, I had a bunch of stuff going before COVID, but you know, it, it didn't happen. And, and I'm still working. They're just betting at this point. They're just like they're just fucking betting on something that they can sell. They're basically salespeople. Right. Well, they're you know, here here's the thing though. Like the fact that the crew, you, what was great about the crew too was like the crew. Like when I got there, they're like enamored with me. Like they've all watched. It's like oh, like yeah. you're a celebrity. You walk in. I I know, and you know, I'm just some douchebag. Like I'm nobody. But I walk in. They're all like, "You're not a douchebag." They're all like, "Oh fuck, Matt Cox." There he is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> was it really? The that wasn't that bad. But they were like, come like we. I'd start talking, and like four of them would sh would be like, and they'd be like, oh, "Well, then what happened?" And you were in the prison. Were, were you worried? No. I, yeah. It was a low. I was fine. I was, so oh, so nobody gets hurt there. Oh no, people get hurt. But I'm. You know, you get stabbed in federal prison it's because you had it coming <gasps> you know and and then boziak he says crazy shit and they all love him they loved him they just thought he was keep in mind these are guys that are like upper middle class kids right they never touch anything from no, that they've, world they've never changed a tire yeah so they went to they, they got decent grades at the private school then they ended up going to film school because they want to make movies and now yeah. they're making now they're a part of the thing and they're working their way up so you know they've never they've never They've never run from the cops. They've never been arrested. They've never gone to prison. They've never done this. They've never committed crimes. They've never borrowed, you know, a million dollars or, you know, swiped credit cards or manufactured this or gotten fake IDs. And they've never done 
nothing. J- James Bond shit. They've never done none of it. So yeah. they just think you're amazing. So, um, yeah, it was pretty cool. So here's what I'm doing. Um, remember I told you the paintings? I'm doing 12 paintings. Yeah. yeah. 10 of them are for... For your Patreon? No, no. 10 of them are for the, um, are for the crew. Oh. So I'm painting oh, each cool. one of them. I'm going to send them a, a, a painting. And it says, Ghetto White Boy. Which is what they were calling. They're calling the sizzle reel, and then it has half of John of Boziak's mugshot, and they're they're all all of them are like crazy colors, like real neon colors. And, the, and then the other two, one of those is for the Patreon, right? So uh, one for the Patreon uh, guy that I owe the Patreon thing to, and then the other one, then I'll have one other one, and I'll, I'll probably just sell that one, or I'd love to frame it and keep it myself, but you know. Huh. The bills ain't coming. Yeah. The bills are coming. Right. But I thought I could knock it out in two days, and I'm on like day four, and it's yeah. like this was way more than I thought than I had expected. So yeah. it's pretty. Co- it's going to be pretty cool. Maybe we get a Matt Cox painting to replace this thing we got at the flea market. I could knock out some. We could get. You think we get a Matt Cox painting for the studio here? No. I, you know why you could? No, I don't think we could do that. I, I mean, it's... I'm just telling you. You know why you could? How? How could I do that? Because I actually have a bunch of canvases that. Some friend of my friend Stacy, the chick Stacy, you met Stacy, yeah. Okay, Stacy has a client that retired and he wants to be an artist. He bought a bunch of canvases and put painted on them, yeah. But he's kind of learning, and he realized that he didn't really like these types of canvases. He wants to go with canvas board, so he's got these canvases that basically have some primer and stuff on them. He doesn't want them. He gave them to me. Just paint over them. So he gave them to me. Oh, perfect. So I have canvases that I can go and do something real quick, like in a day, and knock out. Oh, nice. I wouldn't charge, you know, well, I wouldn't charge you anything because it'd be advertising. But, you know, I could do that because the problem is, is you do a, if I have a painting and sell it for 500 bucks and it's four foot by three foot, I probably have 100 bucks into it. Yeah. You know, people don't realize that, oh, you just made 500. No, I didn't. Yeah. Plus, I had to go drive there. I had to get the thing. I had to come back and ship it. Right. What what, what the hell? So, but yeah, I had those things. I could do something that says concrete on it. Yeah, that'd be do cool. Do want. something cool. I could do something. I could do. Ha- I could do something like with the thing where I do like half of Danny's face, uh-huh. and it says like concrete or something. Snitch, concrete. snitch, rat. It's like a half wow. Danny, half, half rat, half rat, half rat. That would be perfect. <laughs> oh, fuck. We could do Ben a, a silhouette of Ben in the oh. background with the belly. Oh yeah. Ben, like, is, uh, ben is Santa. Danny sitting like on his knee in the background. Ben like this in the back with the, the eye. With the rat sitting on his lap, with the big belly, the rat sitting on his on his shoulder. Uh, we're not just why not on his stomach? Yeah, like, yeah. Ooh, no, that I'm not doing all that. Terrifying. Bro. It also sounds like a lot of work. Sounds like something I want in here. Thinking, yeah. I'm thinking half Danny's face. I'm and thinking that concrete. One. I'm thinking that. No, no, no. I don't want to say concrete. That's that's kind of corny. What? You just named it cool. concrete. Yeah, but that, I don't know. I don't want the concrete on there. Make something up. What about the? Create, I want you to get super stoned. Yeah, we kind of just want to paint. I don't get, he can't super get stoned. He's on probation. I don't get stoned oh, yeah, anyway. God, you can't smoke weed. God damn it! I, what I, if you get your medical card? You could probably get a pass. I got a pass when I was on probation for that. But you have like a medical issue. You really have a no. You don't. Issue. You don't. Need, you just walk in there and say that you have problem sleeping. <laughs> for real? No, I know. I'm not saying it's not. That's not a weed guy anyway. I'm not a weed. I don't drink. I don't drink. You I don't try. Smoke. Have you ever tried anything. smoking weed? No. 
Matt's more of like try a it, bro. Matt's more of like a CBD guy. Yeah, but he should try smoking weed, don't you think? You know, the only thing I've ever really I mean, taken I'm going to suggest that to everybody. Um, Hell yeah. Only thing I've ever done is um, is uh, take a Xanax, but I had a prescription for it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now you're talking his language. But I mean, I, ha- I had a script. Like, I literally was having panic attacks. This yeah. is when I was committing fraud. I'm having panic attacks. Like, oh, yeah, you're probably getting get your medical card. Hey, I'm telling Zans you. to keep you off the edge. This will be probably the greatest podcast of all time, the most viewed podcast we've ever done. If you got your medical card and we just got super baked on a podcast together, it would be fucking amazing. You know what I... <laughs> Not doing. You're not gonna doing get it. me locked and, up. What are you doing? And you do live paintings. Live paintings. Wow. Imagine. High as fuck. Imagine where it takes your artistry to another. It just level. gives you a whole new perspective. You know what would man. take your artistry is uh, like LSD. Like, oh yeah. They say that it like completely rewires your brain. Oh, like yeah. guys oh, yeah. are. Like, crazy. What, yeah. All the. The big artists used to do well, that. Well, the most like famous like Renaissance era artists were like super alcoholics, weren't they? Like uh, Van Gogh and Picasso. Yeah, those guys had oh, a lot they of problems. Were all, yeah, they, but like, they like Dolly, he was definitely an LSD guy. I, I just, yeah. I haven't posted. I'm going to post this when I get back. It's or, uh, probably tomorrow. It says, sca- it's sca- it's a, I talk about scams like, with the money. Like I haven't, I haven't released it yet. Yeah. But I'm talking all about scams, yeah. and, and and I was thinking that might be uh, that I was I told you that I thought that would be cool to get like just Boziac, like you get Boziac, me, and another fucking another scam artist or con artist, yeah. and just sit here and talk about different scams, scams for two or yeah. three hours. Like, well, how that would, would you cool. get that? Like, I was telling Boziac, like he was like, oh, you do this or do that. And I go, where would you get the cards ordered? Where would they get? And he go, oh, I just have them mailed here. I'm like, yeah, yeah but what yeah. if this happens? What if that happens? And he'd be like, well, yeah. Well, where would you have a mail? Like, well, I'd go and I'd get an abandoned house, and I would. You know, so we'd have this whole open discussion about how do you figure out this? How do you figure that out? Mm. Weren't you worried about that? Well, no, here's why. But I think because those types of discussions I had when I was in prison with other con men, we're not talking about for 20 minutes. We're not talking about for two or three. We're talking about days. We're talking about, yeah, 100 hours over the course of two weeks, like five hours here, eight hours here, 10 hours here. Really? Well, how would you do this? Well, I'd do this. Well, what happens if they call here? Oh, no, 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 no. I would get a such and such and do this and do, well, yeah, but they check it against this. Oh, no, no. I would register it with the director. <clears throat> You're like, man, I never thought about that. Hell yeah. I mean, we would go on and on and there were guys would come and sit, just sit around us and listen. Hell really. yeah. Have you seen the, uh, I just watched the other day. Have you seen the the movie they made about? Ted Bundy, you know what's with funny? Zach with Zach Efron. N- no, but you know what's funny? Two people watched this. What? How probably, did two- probably you. You probably no, watched it. I, it. No, when I was all, it was still processing when I left the house. I just checked it to see if it had finished processing or uploading it, and it has. Huh? Two people. Somebody got the it. notification. Who has access I- to your YouTube channel? Somebody has like uh, permission. Steve, the 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 yeah he saw. Per- it. Really? He never. Did. He probably watched it. Oh, okay, twice, maybe, maybe, he maybe he sent it, it to somebody. Maybe, maybe. He sent it. yeah. Okay, that's crazy. <clears throat> yeah, you got to watch the scams. Scams. No, yeah, those Ted Bund, that Ted Bundy fucking thing on Netflix. I forget what it's called, but the Zach Efron, the Zach Efron plays that. Ted Bundy, and he's his own lawyer. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's fucking, he's fucking like he really is... cunning and smart and witty, and it reminded me of you because he the, represented the... himself. Well, the worst thing about him was that if you've ever seen any interviews with him, how likable he was. Right. People was, loved him. That's horrible. what they all say, yeah. And you would have loved him. He was super handsome. 
He was, there you go. Girls Can we get him on the podcast? I constantly dream about just if I could just rub my hands through your hair just once. No. <laughs> he had like he had like groupie girls <laughs> in the courtroom when he was oh, yeah. ridiculous. And this guy murdered. I mean, how many people? Twenty, thirty. Like, and he, and like, he was with he was he had a wife with who had a daughter a young daughter and they had he, like a Ted Bundy had a wife I don't know if yeah were, I don't remember that I don't know if they were ma- actually married but he had a very long term girlfriend who already had a daughter and he had like a great life with them he would always just go on these vac- he would always be like I don't remember that I don't remember that I, I, this was I, at I, least in the movie that I saw okay I'll watch the movie yeah and, I remember uh, he got like really? married in jail and shit. Yeah. No, no, that was a different girl. That was a different. That was a, a previous girlfriend. But he met this girl um, at a bar. He walked up to her and uh, basically took her home first night. And he slept at her house. She woke up the next morning, and he's in the kitchen cooking breakfast. And her daughter, her little like four year old daughter, is sitting in her high chair eating. He's feeding the daughter. And he's like, "Hey!" He's like this like happy go lucky like guy. And he's like nothing wrong. He's like the perfect guy she could have ever met. And they live their they live their life. They go on vacations together. They they but study together. But he's butchering the neighbors. Yeah, he's butchering the neighbors. But she doesn't find out until like way way later. I, and it's I, fucking weird, dude. I watched a documentary on a guy that was just like he was killing prostitutes. He's living with this chick, and he's killing all these prostitutes around the neighborhood. And they eventually track him down, and she comes to him, and they have him. They they're on camera and she's like why did you do this why did you do this and he starts crying and she's crying and he goes I did it to them so I wouldn't do it to you like that's, I didn't want to oh, hurt fuck. I didn't want to hurt you that's probably the same fucking thing Just, it was like I don't know, I don't know what what that means and you know? he denied he denied it to her like he like Ted Bundy basically like, towards the end like after he had already gotten the death penalty and he like realized he it's over he knows it's over like she stopped talking to him and shit and uh, she is like in like a mental prison because she's not in prison, but she's like she, when yeah. the whole thing started. Yeah, she got they, they were they were they were really like this. They were the they were looking for his like Volkswagen bug. Oh yeah, yeah, that Volkswagen and uh, yeah. classy. No, that's I'm not, I I know the Volkswagen. He used to he used to put his arm in a sling and act like he was right. hurt, and he would literally <clears throat> he had a whole yeah. con thing going on where he so, was sucking a man. It was fucked up when they post when the when the um, investigators made it public that they were looking for the, the Volkswagen. She called in. She's like, hey, uh, I want to report. I know somebody who has this Volkswagen. Will, will my name, will I be anonymous? And she's like, "It's his name is this. Just put him on the list. She's like, oh, well, we don't think that's him, but we'll put his name down. What's your name? And then she hangs up. Anyways, he finally gets busted years later. She never tells him that she initially called them and put his name on this list of like 100 people. And she's like going through all this. She doesn't know if she never talks to him for like 10 years. She finally goes back like right before he goes into death row. And she's like, just please like release me, release me of this burden. I called in and I fucking gave him your name. He's like, what? And I'm, I'm probably this is a major spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't watched it yet. But well, it, I'll spoil it. He dies. Anyways, yeah, yeah he mean, dies. But this is a Bundy. great. Yeah. This is we a, all kind of know. This how is it a ends. fucking yeah. great ending. Like you like, like the twist, the ending of it. It was all fucking because of, of her. Bonkers. And she's in there with a glass wall. And this is like their last meeting. And she's like, "Tell me why you did this." And uh, she brings in this photo that one of the investigators gave her years before, because she was like in denial that he had done this. And she brings the photo. She's like, I gave them your name. Just tell me the truth. Release me of this burden that's on my shoulders. Like, release me. 
and uh, he's like, I didn't do it. And she's like, she pulls out the photo and it's a naked, decapitated woman. She's like, why did you do, did you do this? He's like, no, oh my God, what? Tell me, just tell me the truth. And, and like, it's this long mono dialogue between them. And then at the end, he's like breaking down in tears and he's like, he just writes, the, the, the glass is like dusty and he just writes, he's like crying and he, with his fingers, he inscribes in the glass dust, he writes, hacksaw. <laughs> And then she fucking gets up and leaves and they take him away, dude. It's fucking insane. It's so good. What, he killed her, the chick in the picture with a hacksaw or something? Basically, he's saying he cut her head off with a hacksaw. Oh, yeah. But he didn't say it. Yeah, yeah. Because he didn't want it to be recorded or whatever. I don't know. But it, it was a great fucking movie, bro. And it's on Netflix now? It's on Netflix, yeah. Just type in Ted Bundy. Ted on Bundy. I've seen it. It comes up. Like I've I saw the documentary it. on it. It's like a six-part series, but I didn't see the movie. Yeah, but they have a really good like series documentary on him with all the court footage and everything. He fucking broke out of prison twice. Yeah, are you? Well, serious? the courtroom was one of them. The courtroom. He jumped out. Yeah, the they window. had him holding because he was holding his... in the room. Yeah, and they take his handcuffs off and they leave the room and he Woo-hoo! just jumps out the fucking window. Bro, because he was his own lawyer. And then goes out and kills more people. Whoa. So he was representing himself. So He's, they gave him like this library where he man. could do his own shit and make his own phone calls because he was representing himself. So he had this like extra you yeah, know privileges. little room yeah. extra privileges so like the the court bailiff or whatever was like f- flirting with some chick and he was in there pretending like he was on the phone jumps out the fucking window breaks his ankle and gets up goes to florida and kills like that's four when he came girls. to florida killed everybody whoa bonkers bro you'd love it <laughs> you'd love it you know what everybody always tells me they're always like <laughs> you'll love this one yeah I, no i always love that like uh, Treon's, uh, my buddy Treon, his wife, her name is Tammy. She, she's like, you know who you remind me of? And I go, no, who she is. You ever see Dexter? And I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah, you are kind of like He's a Dexter. serial killer, right? She's like, I know. Yeah, you totally remind me of him. How do I keep reminding people of, of a serial killer? Maybe just because the guy's super smart very, and very, uh, like, thorough with yeah, what he does. It was a compliment. No, yeah. you guys are both very articulate. <laughs> and, and the fucked up thing is it probably was to her. Yeah. Everyone oh, I talk times. to about you, everyone who ever mentions you, all they always say talk about how smart you are. I know, and, and how I, articulate you are. I really don't think I'm I'm, I'm that sharp. Well, that's I, what I prison does to you, right? <laughs> yeah, go to prison for twelve years. Yeah, your IQ will jump by <laughs> twenty points. Um, yeah, I do hear that a lot. I don't know why. Hmm. I think yeah, you're but smart. Di- you're very there's, thorough there's with what you do. There's different kinds of of intelligence you can have, though. Like you could have like book smarts. You can know a lot about things. But I think prison gives you a certain, like, social intelligence that... You're scaring me. You're making it sound ominous. Hey, no, I mean, I'm telling you, don't you agree with that? Don't you, don't you think that there's some people that are, like, they're really smart as far as history or as far as, like, what they know about certain subjects, but there's socially they're dummies? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, you're very easy to have a conversation with. You're very easy to relate to or whatever. That's a, I've noticed that's a consistency with a lot of people who have been in prison or who have... I mean, I, I would I would say that's a very small, uh, uh, very select group of people. Look, look, I know a bunch of guys who it's like they have a touch of Asperger's. Like, like they're mm, yeah, they're they're yeah. brilliant, but they're so socially awkward. They have no friends, or they they'll have like one or two friends, and and they're super good for like like that guy um, uh, Rossini. You know, Rossini really doesn't have really any friends, and doesn't isn't trying. He's very socially awkward, but once you get to know him, and he starts talking. 
you realize this guy is brilliant. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he's super smart. It's 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 odd. Mm. It's odd. And I, I've known a, a I've known a, a bunch of people like that in prison. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I had, had a podcast uh, a few days ago, and it was like three of us, and all of us were like alphas. It was a constant battle, talking over each other, yeah. talking, and honestly, within after about an hour or so, I was really exhausted. Yeah. Like I was like, just stop talking, bro. Just kick back and let these two guys go yeah. fucking go crazy. Cause you just, you're yeah. so, and I remember thinking this must what be what it's like to be a friend of mine. I don't know how I have it. I don't have it. This is exhausting. I feel horrible for, That's I hear hilarious. like Jess, my, my girlfriend, yeah. I feel horrible for her. And luckily she never wants to talk. And I tell her all the time, like, okay, well tell me this. And I'm like, you never talk. She's like, she's like, I don't need to. She's like, I just got to get you going. And she said, you'll talk the whole time. And yeah. I was just like, that's horrible. I guess you are kind of like that now that I think about it. Yeah. There's, it's, it's, it's obnoxious. Mm. You know? I try not to be like that, but it's a pain in the ass. Mm. I really honestly, you know, know prob- probably more about you guys than I do, you know, and I know very little about you. But, you know, it's only because I, I, once I start to realize, okay, this guy's probably going to be around a while. I might as well ask him what he, he's going to do, you know, you know, what he does for a living and, you know, little things like that. But you don't really I, give a fuck. You're just trying to make small talk. Well, I, 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 I think it's or important. Or do you, do you care? Um, I mean, I think it's, it's just, do I care? Like, are you genuinely interested or are you just trying to I'm get curious. along with somebody? Well, I think I'm curious. And, and I think it's important that I take interest in you and, in, in, well, no offense, you know, more, more so you because, you know. Harak's not around That's all, rude. all the time. Well, not you're not. You've only been around. You, you're we, right? You've only been around half the th- half the time. You know what I'm saying? But Danny, I he's feel been like, here for every podcast. That no you way. Have. There, mm-hmm. No, except a, for Boziak. No, and there was uh, the second podcast we did because the second one I was like, where is he? Oh yeah, every time you come on, and here, you, you were like, yeah, yeah, and and you you were like. Why? He's annoying. No, he didn't say that. <laughs> I'm sure it was worse than that. <laughs> no, he was like, he can't make it. He's going to try. He's going to do it. Why? He's he like, has a real job. He's like, you're the only one that that ever asks. Yeah. I love the hat rack thing. The hat I rack thing's hilarious. That thing. I know, that was my favorite. I we tried got, to track that that guy down and give him free merch, and we gotta, he can we never got, respond from him. We're going to make shirts that say 200-pound hat rack. <laughs> That's awesome. How did he guess that you were 200 pounds? Are you 200 pounds? No, I'm a little a little south of 200, but I'm close. Yeah, buck 80. Buck 85, buck 80. What does this say? His hat? Yeah. Uh, Atmosphere urine. Okay. I I mean, I it's I guess it's the the letters. I I thought it said Atmo Supreme. It's a sup- Have you ever heard of Supreme? Yeah, I'm yeah, sure Matt's on. urine. <laughs> I, I saw urine. I, it's I thought, a, okay, it's I'm, a I'm jumble of two names where they scrambled the letters to make two more words. Okay. I'm not, I'm sure there's an official term for I mean, something like that. I'm dyslexic, so I saw urine. I thought, well, it doesn't say urine. And no, I thought, look at it again. I was like, it, no, it looks like it says urine. No, wait, it does say. Okay, what does this say? Anti-hero, right? It's a it's a jumble of two two names. Explain it to Supreme, them. anti-hero, they're like uh, skateboard companies. Oh, there's a skateboard. Jumble, jumble the logos together. Your shirt is a skateboard company, too. No, his shirt, his shirt is yeah. a concrete shirt with Beavis's mouth on it. my sweater. No, no, I meant that. Piss drunk. I, I meant that. Sorry. All right. So there's a company called Anti-Hero, right? right? A skateboard company. And there's also a clothing company called Supreme. 
Which is the skateboard company so they took, originally. They took S-U-P-R-E-M-E and A-N-T-I-H-E-R-O and just jumbled them together to make some fucked up phrase. And that's what that is. Okay. What do you think about it? I don't, I don't really understand it. It's art. Is fine it? art. Okay. Some guy I'm with sure. a fine some guy with a fine arts degree came up with that in Photoshop and said, "Hey, let's put it on." Beans. I don't know if a fine arts degree guy came up with it, but <laughs> somebody like Luke. Well, that's very possible. Yeah, and Luke's got a fine arts degree. That's true. Yeah. Um, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Makes sense. So, uh, so you've got this is two and a half hours. You want to end it? I mean, I'm, I'm, I was wondering what we were doing here. I was like, oh, I know, uh, we're, I know go, he's we're going off he's now. Gonna, I know he's going to cut all this. He's got to. So what? No, what? Not. What's the? What's the ending to this? This story here, man. I mean, I think that's why I was saying when I called the homicide detective, it was to try and push this thing forward to an ending, trying to force an ending. Mm-hmm. Do you ever see an ending coming to this? I, I would love it if the guy would be would, would get convicted. He's a fucking murderer. He's murdering people from inside of a federal prison that didn't deserve to be killed. Fuck him. You know what I'm saying? I would yeah. love to see that be the end. Do you think it, it, this is like don't, an you know, ending? I've seen it don't get, sound like it. I've seen people get indicted for things that I know they should. I'm like, how could you have, how can you sleep at night indicting this guy who answered the phone and told his son that that his buddy was coming over to pick up some drugs? And boom, that guy, now your father, they just indicted your father. And they indicted your father to get you to cooperate. And they still sent your dad to jail for 10 years. So it's like, how do you sleep at night? But you're going to let this guy, you're not going to, but this guy's a murderer. Right. You're not going to, you're not going to prosecute him. You could, but you're not going to. I mean, I, I don't Why do you think it. they don't? I don't know. There's got to be something there that. There, maybe there's something, but we're talking about care three, or. It, initially, I thought it was because, because um, Chris had fought the whole time. Yeah. And that's a big thing. Like, if you go to trial. Had fought his own case. Yeah. He kept fighting his case for, he's been fighting his case for 20 years. So here's the problem. Danny goes to trial. Okay, so if Danny goes to trial and then he gets 20 years and then he turns around and says, listen, I found out about something that's going on and I can tell you about these guys. They'll say, "Okay," and they'll go give us the information. If anything happens, we'll we'll consider it substantial assistance. We'll reduce your sentence. Then they bust those guys and you go, "Okay, hey, hey, you busted those guys. They they that guy got five years. This guy got four years. Well, um, you're going to reduce my sentence. And they go, nah. "Nah." Now, you know why? Because you've you've been you fought you went to trial. Yeah, you went to trial. Oh, they don't like that. You filed an you filed an appeal. Mm-hmm. You that leaves them sour. Even seen them <clears throat> say to peep to guys, yeah, we'll fi- we'll file a, a reduction in your sentence, but you have to remove your like they're fi- doing twenty two fifty five, let's say, or they're filing a motion to try and get their sentence reduced, but you have to remove your twenty two fifty five, and you're like, uh, uh. Uh, well, that could set me free. Eh. Okay, so if I do that, you promise to no, you do it, and we'll consider it. <laughs> And it's like, I mean, you're, you know, it's, it's terrifying. You're in a horrible position. So yeah, you're fucked. Do I, I think they should, will they, I don't know. So fucking crazy, bro. It's like, it's like on this side of the prison gates, you have all these, you're basically free. You have all these amazing rights, but once you slip a little bit on the other side, you're fucked. You have nothing. You're a fucking prisoner of the government. Here, forever. You're a slave. Right. What? Well, here's the problem. And you're fucked forever. Here's the problem. And, and here, here's the way I always look at it. And the guys in prison look at it if they have if they're if they think about it at all. Prison is the way the government would treat you if they had absolute power over yep. you. So people they're like, oh, they would never do this. They would to the citizens. You give them absolute power. And this is how they'll treat you. 
because tr- guess guess what? It's it's no it's probably no more violent in prison than it is in society. You know, in, in a low or or, right. a, or a camp. What do they, they? What do they? Call, what's that? Treat you like garbage and scum. Why? Because we can. Lord of the yeah. Flies. Yeah. Well, Lord, huh? That's what's like in prison, like Lord of the Flies, right? With all the kids in the story with the kids on the island. That's what it would be like. Um. Yeah. You have. Well. I mean. No. I no. I mean. You still have guard. You still have. There's still a structure there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like just the toughest kids running the block, and they're just taking and stealing. And it's not. It's not like that. But I mean, they basically like you get horrible treatment. You get you get the worst possible medical, only so it looks like we're helping you. Yeah. But I guess what I'm trying it's to all say an is, illusion. once you slip into that system, the judicial system, the prison system, right? And once you get that label on you, and even if you go to prison for a Six months, not not even saying you go for six years or ten years or whatever. Once you get out, you're still you almost still have one foot in that world in that fucking oh yeah system. yeah I, well it's I so, can never leave it. It's so hard to get out. I'm I've got major like like people don't even seem to realize that how you know what a what an untenable position that I am in. I you're mean, I, free, but you're not really free. Oh no no, it's very easy. They can easily yank my. Uh, they can easily send me back to prison. I, I I have I have very few rights do you right does now. that bother you does that do you think about that a lot I think like, about it all the time if I, like i go to get in somebody's car you know like i literally like i'm i'm yeah. if i out luckily i don't almost i almost never have to get in someone's car yeah. but if i were to go get in your car it would be like you don't have a gun in here do you nah, of course not. no i'm serious bro i mean you don't have a gun you don't have this you know because i'm in the worst possible position because if anything happens you're I'm, fucked right you know how many people have come to me and offered me business ideas or hey look um i'll put up this much money and we'll do this and this i'm like yeah but but what if that doesn't work well i mean if it doesn't work it's i I understand it doesn't work no you say that now but you lose 50 grand yeah you're gonna be upset yeah well that's not gonna happen no no it could happen right and then you get upset and then you make a call and i'm in front of the judge and he doesn't believe me yeah, and it won't matter. It won't <laughs> matter if there's paperwork. No, Your Honor, he signed this. He signed this. No, Mister Cox, because you change your story at all, they're going to believe everything you say. Mm-hmm. Not me. I'm done. So, I mean, there are multiple times where people have could have made my life much, much easier than my life is right now, but I'm not in a position where I can really dealing with me. You know, I'm going to do everything I'm supposed to do. You know why? Because I can't. I can't fuck up. Yeah, right. I'm not in a position where I can argue with you, or we can go to court, or you can sue me. Right. Lo- you're fine. I'm losing every single time. Yeah, right. You're going right back right. to prison. So I've got multiple people that say, "Hey, wait, wait, we could do this." Uh, uh-uh, uh, uh-uh, no, can't do that. Can't do it. Fuck. No, it's okay. I won't even. Your name won't even be on. You know, it doesn't matter. Do you understand? If if, if anything happens, I go back to prison. Now, you know, for you, it's nothing. For me, it's prison. Mm-hmm. And if I go back to prison for two months just waiting for the judge to say, let's say they grab me and they hold me, it takes two or three months to get in front of the judge while I'm waiting. And the judge says, yeah, you know what? I'm going to give him time served. Oh, okay. Boom. Guess what? By the time I get out, I've lost my apartment. I've lost my car. Yeah. I don't have any place to live now. I'm worse off than I was when I left prison with nothing because I'm, now I don't, even have a, I don't even have halfway house for seven or eight months. Yeah. I got nothing. I'm sleeping on Treon's couch. I'm going back to Stacy and saying, "Can I get my old room back? Can you give me a month to come up with with the rent?" I have no, I have nothing. My stuff, everything's gone. People don't realize that. They think, "Oh, it's not a big deal." Fuck you. You don't mm-hmm. know, bro. You don't really know how bad yeah. it is. How how bad of a position I'm in. Yeah. 
So uh, just yeah, living with that fear day in and day yeah, out has to be so right. draining on you, bro. You know, and then the worst part about it is, the worst part about it is, there's nobody to blame. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Like, like I can't be angry <sighs> at the system. Mm-hmm. I can't be angry at the way things are because that's how they were when I was committing my crimes. I put myself in this position. I didn't know it. I should have known it. I put myself in this position. I'm in a horrible position, and it's nobody's fault but mine. So I don't even get to bitch about it. Like I can't even blame somebody. Yeah. Because if you really look at it, you know, look, look at it from step outside the box and look at it, you go, "Well, how'd you get here?" It was it was me. I just did some dumbass things, and and <laughs> actually did some dumbass things. Could have corrected it. Kept doing it. Could have corrected it again. Then decided to go. You know what? Fuck it. Let's go up a notch. Let's take it up. <laughs> like I'm not even gonna step back. Now nah, I'm going all in. Well, that was cute when it was working, but it it ain't cute now. It's probably not gonna be cute the rest of my life. Mm. I can't even. Most people. My girlfriend Jess. She's off probation. She did a year. Really? She had like two or three years probation. She's off already. So. She's off probation. I can't get most people get off probation at the halfway mark as long as they don't violate. I can't even do that. Why? Because I owe six million dollars. So they won't. They're they're saying we're going to keep you every for five years. You're doing every day so that we know you're going to pay every single month. What happens after five years? You haven't paid six million. Then I then I I have a, a civil judgment. They pass it from the court collecting. Because right now they, they don't have to hire anybody to collect because they know if I don't collect, I go back to prison. So they're like, mm-hmm. oh, he's going to pay. Yeah. Um, but th- what they'll oh, do it's is— just a percentage of your income, right? Right. And then um, then what ends up—like when I got the federal—remember I got the federal uh, unemployment? Yeah. And I got a whole— They I, took some of that? They took 25% of it. Wow. Listen, last how fuck is that? What'd you expect them to do? I mean, I, I, I thought you were going to say more than twenty five percent. You got a Trump no. check, and they took some of it. Yeah, yeah, they took like a thousand. Or they put it towards your restitution. Like yeah, yeah, they uh-huh. take it. She, my PO, didn't go off and go off to Vegas or anything. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. you took six million dollars. Right, I'll be paying forever from the banks. Yeah. So that six million turns into a civil judgment, and then I'll they'll the a, a collection agency will come after me. At that point, you have to try and make a uh, some kind of a payment arrangement with a collection agency that collects on behalf of the federal government. After that, so and please. so I'll never can't buy anything in my name. If I buy a house, and like, let's say I buy a house, I'll start a I, GoFundMe for Matt Cox. I was going to say Matt, so, Matt please, Cox. Six, he owed six million. Owes six million to the federal government. I've actually yeah. got it down. It's like five million nine hundred. Oh yeah, you're getting That's there, what he's man. saying. It's really two point five. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm so so please like and subscribe so we could pay the restitution. Oh fuck, Good Matt. Good times. Yeah, it's sad. It's not designed to help people win. It's designed to fucking keep you in the loop, the ever-ending loop of death. Listen, it beats prison. <laughs> Right, where I'm supposed to it's be. It's all about your I perspective. Love, listen, I love it out here. Hell yeah, it's great it's out great here. Great out here. Food's huh? great. Weather's nice. I get to turn the TV. Starbucks you know is good. Listen, Ooh, Starbucks hits different in, in, outside, huh? Yeah. I, I still have a bag. Of it's Keefe. no instant coffee. You have you have Keefe instant coffee. Yeah. I have a bag in my. Uh, I have a bag I just wanna, in case. Well, you know what I want to do. At some point, I want to go to dinner with with somebody uh, who I was locked up with, and when we go to pay. I'm like, bro, I got this. I got this. I want to pull out a couple of books of stamps and a fucking thing called uh, Keefe Coffee. Yeah. I'll be just like, no, what are you doing? Well, you're great. Uh, or tell the waitress, be like, can you give me some coffee? Wait, wait a second. Hold on. Here, here. 
mix that up. Mix yeah. the guy, you could do that. You could do stupid stuff like that all throughout dinner. Yeah. That's funny. All right, man. I think we've hit a wall. Let's wrap it up. Rapper. Go ahead and give your plugs. My pl- Where can people find your story on Inside True Crime? InsideTrueCrime.com. Uh, yeah, well, it's Matt Cox. If you put Matt Cox and Inside True Crime, it comes up. That's that's my that's not my story. That's you know, and that's my website. I mean, that's, that's my YouTube channel. Listen, by this point, nobody's watching. At this point, you, you ever watch the from- analytics? Yeah. Like by the end, that last it, you could have forty thousand views, and the, the last part is like you know, like and three people watched it all the way. Through. No way, there's way more than three. Trust me. So yeah, so it's it's uh, Matt Cox and Inside True Crime. I got all my uh, narrated stories. This story will be narrated, which is way better than what I just did. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I got uh, I put up what two podcasts or I do two like two vlogs, um, uh, two vlogs a week. You know, and and uh, that's it. I'm that's trying it. to do a true crime. I got a true crime thing I'm working on right now in in, in L.A. to do like to go over all my stories. Mm. You know, do like three every season. It's a whole thing, kind of like a dirty john type of you know like a real like a professional kind of yeah edited podcast the thing you hate the kind where they put it on like apple ipod or itunes and they oh no i like those podcasts like uh, there. like a uh, serial or something like that yeah exactly Cere- i love, I I love, love those. serial those are great serial was great yeah mm-hmm. yeah so I, i'm trying to do that right now with david we're working on we're kind of negotiating so All right. i'm not Perfect, really doing man. much of anything i'm just waiting all right thanks a lot matt Bye-bye, everyone.